right. Do that one more time, Nick. Everybody got that out of their system? Nope. <laughs> Are you done yet? Because I'm... I'm <laughs> okay, I'm starting now. Okay. 236. Is it for sure? Yes. Confident? Very confident. All right. Why are we still talking about it? Because I'm waiting for Justin. The highest paid person is the one sitting here making farting noises. Out of his mouth. <laughs> take note. Yeah, take note. Okay. You got I it think out? I'm all, I'm, I'm all set. That, okay. There was, there was right. a lot there. They're all cleaned out. From all orifices. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody, our soon. Jeez. This is the orifices thing that threw me off. <laughs> hey, everybody, RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 236. The gang's all here? Yeah. We are. What's up? So and I, I gotta say, so your your intro sounds so I mean identical every time. Do you just record like two thirty six, two thirty seven, and then just swap that <laughs> section swap out? out? Just, yeah, just cut that, just the episode number in. It's funny you mention that. I, I don't do that, but as uh, uh, you know, how sometimes had when, you're, me fooled. when you're saying shit, right? When you're when you when you're when you're hearing when you're hearing yourself say something, I was thinking as it was coming out, I'm like, wow, you kind of sound, I don't know, like. You know, do you really want to be here? <laughs> well, do you? Well, of course, I'm not I do. sure it sounds that bad. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't that the, far. It didn't have the same pizzazz that it normally has. Let's just leave it at that. How's that sound? Okay, I've got Good. one. One. Well, question. in fairness to you, we did sort of like fart you to death. You did in in the beginning there. Mm-hmm. So yes, um, I've got one question for you, Justin. For me, yes, yes, please. So proceed. our last our last show was two weeks ago. It was. Why did you fuck my audio up so bad? That show. That show? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention it because I got a few emails about it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah we knew, we knew. Trust me, we we know when it doesn't sound the way it should. <laughs> but my paycheck reflects that. Wait yes. a minute. Was I even on the show two weeks ago? Yes, you were. I don't know. Maybe you weren't. I'm blaming it on you anyway. Okay, yeah. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were there. I think that was the weekend Nick was gone. No? I don't remember. No. Don't it's like Swiss I, cheese. I don't know. It feels you know like what? It I does not recorded even, in like eight weeks. It doesn't even really matter, to be honest with you. Because that was two weeks ago. So here we are. We're all, we're all, uh, we're all here. Uh, last week, uh, Nick had planned to be away. So we knew that was going to happen. Then Justin pulls some fast one. I think he was at a bar, but he calls us and he says, "Yeah, my work called." And I could hear Can't like make it. Yeah. I could hear like the the pool balls and in the background and the you know the jukebox and stuff. We Gay just bar. decided. Yeah, the, I was gonna say <laughs> jukebox. What the fuck, dude? Where do you think I was? At a gay bar. 
You didn't hear like the stripper pole <laughs> in the background? I didn't hear I it. don't know if it makes a sound, but if, I just, If your you stripper know, pole yeah, makes like, a sound, you yeah. need to check. Somebody it's, needs to go to the hospital. we probably s- set of man's chaps hitting the ground. <laughs> Assless chaps. Uh. <laughs> There's no sound like the sound of a sweaty ass in chaps slapping the ground after sliding down a brass pole. <laughs> Smack! <laughs> oh, jeez! Oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> so I, uh, I took a little trip. I'm actually at Nick's this week. So again, we're again. I'm, we're recording a Nick's trailer again. We're gonna try to get the audio a little bit better this time. It wasn't so bad last time, but who knows? I guess we'll find out when we go to put it all together. You'll find out after an episode's up and you get another email. <laughs> yeah. What? Did you, did you seriously get blasted for audio issues? I, I wouldn't call it blasted, but I did get a few emails. Yes, I did. Well, <laughs> what people don't realize is like it's to do this. Yeah, over we don't here, know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to do it here at my house together, like we're moving everything that's downstairs up out into the trailer and until right now like dan actually brought over some other audio equipment with him so now finally Mm. after all these years we're going to be able to permanently mount our live setup all of it in the trailer so then everything's hooked up but when you have to do all of this and unhook and rehook and gains get messed with and do it all from scratch and usually it's at the last minute um you just it is what it is it's a whole lot of hooking yeah, a whole lot of hooking. A whole so lot of hooking. That's the way I look, like to look at it. So, yeah, we're here. And uh, who wants to go first this week? Anybody do anything fun this last week? Last I'll, I'll go first. Just because just I'm really hoping, you know, we'll, we'll start you with wanna, me. and you then start, we'll go. start with a low <laughs> we'll just, bar? We'll just go from there. <laughs> this way I don't have to, like, try to, you know, beat anyone or do anything like that. It's just like, oh, okay, sweet. And then we'll go on to the next person. Now, the last couple of weeks have been extremely extremely busy um between kicking butt on some home projects um and working a ton um i'm gonna i honestly i'll take a no fly in two weeks which sucks wow Um, you do suck that's okay that's all right i'll i'll i deserve it on this one um no, it's been a busy couple of weeks with the with the home projects. I don't know if you guys probably saw the pictures on Facebook. I know Dan and Nick saw it in person. Mm-hmm. Um, executed probably the biggest project I've done at home, doing a covered patio off the back. So a nice little bump out addition on the house. So as you can imagine, that soaked up a fair amount of time getting everything prepped and had to get it engineered and inspected and lumber milled down and blah, 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 blah. So it, it's that, freaking huge is what it is. It is. It's about 20 feet by 20 feet, yeah. um, all exposed rough cut cedar beams with uh, cedar rafters, all exposed rafters. And then I'll slowly finish the underside now, get the tongue and groove up in between the rafters and just kind of, you know, make it a, a really nice outdoor space. Since we all know how much it rains around here, might as well <laughs> open up the opportunity to use the backyard as far as I can into the fall. So no, it turned out, turned out awesome. Um, I'm, pretty much wrapped up with it at least the the majority of the hard work and the hours uh, now it's just kind of you know thinking around in the evenings and just putting the finishing touches on that so th- that's been taking up my last two weeks and as you can imagine all last weekend that's 
sun up to sundown Friday, Saturday and Sunday. That was all we worked on since I had the help. I had to take advantage of other people being available and work when you got the people to help you. So other than that, as far as helicopters go, if you remember back, I am directly, I'd say I'm right in the middle of a review on the YS96 SRX Turek edition. And so it's pretty interesting. This last week I was cruising through, you know, working a bunch of hours, might get a little bump on the paycheck from working 60s the last couple of weeks. Um, and so I was looking through on the Synergy site and I didn't realize this. I know we'd seen the pictures on Facebook and talked about it, but the XL clutch is available for the N7 right now. Um, and so this is definitely something probably within the next week I will be picking up personally. Cause if you remember back, one of the main like metrics that I want to use for this review is I, I already know. Well, and just, I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about, it. I know you guys have seen it fly, but it, it definitely has more power on this, the 700 millimeter blades flying the compass 700s. It's pretty clear to me and people watching me fly can even tell that this motor has a little more grunt to it, but I'm going, okay. So for me to honestly put this thing to the test, I want to fly it on seven tens or even like the, you know, the switch blades a little bit bigger than seven tens and, and see how it does. So to do that, I'm going to order up this XL clutch and get that thing thrown in there and really see if I can push the motor and, and see what it has. Um, then the other thing this weekend, since weather's looking like, absolute crap tomorrow i'm pretty i'm showing 100 percent chance of rain um pull off the pipe on the motor and i just want to you know take some pictures continue on the review see what kind of condition the ring is in and uh, now that it's all broke in got 20 25 flights on it um and just see what the internals of the motor look like kind of midway through update on the internals and get that stuff documented um other than that, I'm still waiting on the another Hobbywing 160 to show up, um, which at, at this point, I w- it's not like I would have had a ton of time in the last couple of weeks to put it in. But once it shows up now, I'll definitely be throwing that right back in the heli because, man, I'm I'm ready to be done with receiver packs already. It only took me about two to three weeks and I'm like, this is it. Um, ready to be back to that BEC. I knew it. Those- I mean, it's it's nice, right? Because I the Castle 120 and the really small receiver packs definitely shed some pounds. I mean, without a doubt, it shed. I, th- I think I ended up half a pound less um, than where I was flying it with the Hobbywing 160 and the uh, R2, the prototype backup guard. But with that being said, I've already had it happen once, where it's like you know I got these little 850 milliamp receiver packs. And luckily with the telemetry and the voltage monitoring on the V bar, it tells me, you know, Hey, dummy, you forgot to charge your receiver pack. Your voltage is too low, but you know, I've already had it tell me once that tried to get three flights out of my two flight receiver pack. So thankful for the alarm, still hate charging receiver packs. So as soon as I get that back, that will definitely be going on the helicopter right away um, and get, get back to the BEC and not having to worry about that. And then the last thing, which I'm going to tie this into the sim a little bit, but I have not been able to, and you guys have heard me talk about this. My computer completely took a dump on me three weeks ago. My Mac did. And so the last couple of weeks I've been recording on Kayla's computer and just kind of making do. And finally, like literally 30 minutes before we went to record, I'm still using Kayla's computer this week, but 
my Mac is finally alive. So I got nice. the logic board all put back in. They were able to reflow the board. It was a GPU solder joint connection failure to the logic board. So they re- they were able to reflow the board, remake the connection. Mac is back up and running. I'm doing a complete like nuke and wipe of the hard drive and reinstalling the OS. Figured what what a better time to purge everything. And yeah, get it get it back up and running. Get the sim. Get all the programs back on there and hit it again next week. So you gonna get back to simming? That's the plan. I I really want to do a couple nights a week, two nights a week. If I can pull that off, thirty minutes to forty five minutes. And just really focused, working on, you know, kind of like I mentioned last time I was out at the field, just focusing in on left rudder pyro flips, pyro TikToks, and just kind of getting those moves back in the uh, the inventory. And so try to do really focused sim sessions and uh, get those things cleaned up and pull them back into the routine, definitely before Snohomish. So other than that, though... Not a whole lot of heli stuff going on. Hoping to get out maybe Sunday morning uh, would be my opportunity this weekend. I would be able to fly tomorrow, but like I said, weather's looking horrible. So we'll shoot for Sunday and see what happens. With flying season in full swing, in midsummer right around the corner, one of the most important things to me is getting parts quickly. There's absolutely nothing worse than being out at the field all weekend banging out the flights only to end the weekend with a crash and to know that you might not be able to get the parts in time to have your heli ready for next weekend. I always look for parts at LowerHeli.com as they have excellent customer service and of course fast shipping. I know that as soon as I place an order, Ken is on it. So for all your parts needs, be sure to check out LowerHeli.com. I'm going to go because mine isn't much more exciting. Um, In the last two weeks, I'm going to take a no-fly. Well, you know what? Actually, no, it's not a complete no-fly. So the episode that we just recorded two weeks ago, the following, I'm going to say it was a Saturday or it was a Sunday. I don't remember. Nick came down to Snohomish. And we flew for, I'd say, a good part of the day. I don't know, Nick, you got down there at right around 10, 1030. Uh, and then you ended up hanging out and flying until, I don't know, two-ish, when your allergies finally... Three. Like, yeah, three. three o'clock. Yeah. yeah, put the nail in the coffin. Uh, he was in bad shape, guys, uh, towards the end there. Yeah, it's weird. One allergy attack so far this year, and I got it down there. All that- yep fresh cut grass and the wind oh man but it was a lot of fun actually you know it was windy it it seemed like as the day went on the wind got worse and it was blowing in your face the entire time i mean that is pretty typical of snohomish this time of year so i'm used to a little bit of a breeze in my face and when it gets too bad i can just go to the south flight line uh, and it blows, of course, from my back at that point. So it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but it was getting a little rough there towards the end. Uh, we uh, we got I think we got a lot of good flying in. I got a total of. Well, so I stayed another couple of hours after you left, Nick, uh, just because it was me and only one other person at that time. So I still had good, uh, good access to the field without getting, you know, getting in line and waiting. 
And so I think I got a total of 12 or 14 flights in that day. Uh, a fair number of them on the TDR2. Still doing sort of the break-in of that model. Getting used to it. It definitely flies different. Um, you know, I've increased the head damping a little bit more. If you recall, uh, that heli has the adjustable head damping with, you know, you just use like a little wrench in the top of the head block and uh, adjust the number of clicks into the damper that you want to run. So I start at seven was was uh, how many clicks I had out of the box and ended up at I think I'm at nine or ten right now. And I'm just over 10 flights. I think I'm at 10 or 11 flights. Uh, bumped it up now to about 2,400. Flying it a little bit faster. But, uh, you know, having a having a bit of a, a tune on the uh, porpoising. Partly because the CG, unfortunately, is not ideal on the model. Now, it's not as bad as the Diablo speed is. But it needs a little bit of coaxing with weight in the front, at least for the size of packs that I'm running. Uh, I, I've got the 14S 4400s. There have been some people that said that they're flying 5000s, but it's a tight fit. Uh, but with my packs, I got to put a little bit of weight in there. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Got to fly that. Flew the Gowie R5 a little bit more on 14S. Um man one of one of those flights the pack came down so freaking hot probably i'd say what do you think nick 140 yeah 141 <laughs> like i was i was a little wow. surprised and i didn't over discharge it but man it took a beating so that was the test up at uh let's see 30 what do we go to like 3680 yeah it was basically shooting for 3,700. Yeah, 3680 on 620s? 606s. 606s. <laughs> now, okay, now here's the deal. In, in, in fairness, it was windy as hell up there. Like in the air where you're flying, even more so than on the ground. And so, and in that particular instance, it was blowing hard in one direction a little bit towards your face but mostly across the field and so one direction it it would go pretty well the other direction 3700 didn't do anything for me to get back up into the wind so i started just doing one direction speed runs uh I, i'm going to test it out one more time up there but i'm pretty sure that 34 ish is probably all i need and anything beyond that I'm just eating the shit out of the packs. Gotcha. Um, also spent some time on the Goblin 380, which was a lot of fun. Uh, got back into doing some uh, double pyro flips and playing around with TikToks and such, uh, which was nice. I just do a little bit of 3D, nothing major. I mean, my focus was on speed, but. And then. I think the following two weeks leading up until now have been pretty much zero helis. Uh, I have not touched a model in about a week and a half, wrenching wise. Uh, I've been doing the sim on and off, but sort of half-hearted and really only to feel like I still had a connection to the transmitter. Uh, been doing a little bit of MHSFA stuff in the background. We're trying to get the website 
uh, released here in the next couple of days, if possible. And then I finalized the last bit of order for the DS, the Diablo Speed rebuild, uh, which included a new fuselage. And so I chose this time to go with a black fuselage with uh, white, silver, and like gunmetal gray on the stickers. And I basically told Chuck and Gerd, you guys do whatever design you want. I don't really care. Use those colors, incorporate it however you want. All I care is that it has a number 40 on it because that's my fuselage number. And what's really nice about this is that I got the option from the factory to buy the lighter weight fuse. So the tail section saves like 150 grams by being a thinner weave. Now oh, it's wow. a lot, it's a lot more fragile, right? So it's not going to be taking a beating like, uh, like the other, the old one did. But if I can keep it in one piece, you know, with hanger rash and such, then it will shave 150 off the back, which should shave right around two ish hundred off the front. So that saves almost a pound. That's uh, a lot and, of go fast uh, weight. That's big. Yeah, it's a big deal, dude. This is the um, this is the same rear fuse design that Miles Dunkel uh, used for the world record that he flew last year at Ballenstad. So nice. Super excited about that. I'm thinking I'm probably going to start getting pieces in between Chuck over in South Carolina and Gurdon, Germany. I'll probably get a handful of boxes in the next few weeks and it will probably be built and remadened in the next, I'd say month, which is kind of a deja vu because it's not much different from last year. I mean, I kind of slid into home plate for the Urcha speed cup on the DS last year because of the first tail explosion. So not particularly looking forward to doing the same, you know, quick build remaiden and retune but we'll get it done and be ready to actually compete with it hopefully as long as nothing nothing goes wrong uh this weekend well jesse you already kind of alluded to it tomorrow's a crap day for weather so i'm going to spend some time going back over the helis not that i have anything to do but uh i'll just do whatever wrenching needs to be done to make sure i'm fully ready for sunday and then, of course, Sunday is Father's Day, so I will be using that to my advantage and spending the day at the field, and I think maybe, just maybe, I will have a visitor or two. Uh, we will see when they talk about what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Oh, jeez. You guys done yet? I was taking a little nap. <laughs> I think he actually was. <laughs> I heard snoring. <laughs> are are you in your underwear this time around, Dan? No, Nick told me I couldn't do it. Wouldn't let it happen. He wouldn't even let you wear underwear. No. Man, it's <laughs> rough. He just wanted it completely bare. I'm gonna go this. Rough. I'm gonna go next because damn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> damn. Mm. You know what I'm saying. You guys all know me. And you definitely know what I look for when it comes to helicopters, and that is reliability. For several months now, and hundreds of flights, I've been flying the MSH Protos Max. 
I'm to the point where I have complete confidence when this heli's in the air. I know that the quality manufacturing and the amazing part support from MSH USA will keep this model at the top of my list. For those of you looking for a top-notch 700 or even an 800 class helicopter that screams quality and has an unbeatable price tag, look no further than MSHUSA.com. So here's the deal. I, uh, I, I've been doing a lot of traveling lately, right? You're and pretty much, just don't be coy. You're pretty much living the life that all of us <laughs> wish we were living. Cruise down mm-hmm. to Yellowstone. I came home uh, in hopes that a package was going to be ready for me. Package was ready for me. I quickly loaded everything up, headed over to Nick's. That package, of course, was a 570, right? Yeah. So we get over here, and uh, we get to working on it. It's been a couple evenings uh, building it, kind of, you know, after Nick gets off work and whatnot, we're kind of working on it, and I was working on it during the day. And, uh, yeah, we got that thing going, and I took it and made it a couple days ago. Um, <laughs> Are you going to tell him? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you are now. I wasn't there, so you tell him. Uh, the well, what I don't know what you're ta- are you talking about the 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 pitch incident. Oh yeah, shit! Almost crashed <laughs> it on the first flight within the first I don't know eight seconds. What? Almost put it. <laughs> what in. happened? Oh. So we set up uh the uh, Neo and and don't wa- say we. Yeah, I will say we because we both went through it and we both noticed that things something changed. Some settings changed. I have to admit, I mean, we did go through it and I was over doing something else, but he was like every menu, you know, he was just doing it himself, but still asking and confirming. And it it seemed, I mean, I see no reason why and stuff that I know that we program ended up. The next day after I got off work and after he got home, seemed to be there were some changes. Yeah. I don't was know Was alcohol involved during no. the program? No. No. No, no, no. So anyway. Were you wearing underwear? I was because I was out in public. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so no, I, um, there was a slight variation in pitch. <laughs> uh, slight. From, <laughs> I had eight degrees at the top and I want to say 19 degrees at the bottom. Whoa. <laughs> and so I, when I went to take off, I noticed, I noticed right away, it felt like, wow, I really have to give this quite a bit just to keep it in a hover. And so, so I get it up and I immediately go into a couple pitch pumps and I do the first negative and I got to tell you, it went so fast and I had so little, uh, electric at the top power that it just, I mean, inches from the ground before it started climbing again and it was coming it was coming down fast i mean i was probably 20 feet in the air it went from 20 to like two inches and just it was fast and i was like well that doesn't seem right (laughs) (laughs) and so i pull out the trusty (laughs) sure enough it was off and i went ahead and readjusted that so you know, did a couple did a couple flights and started doing some bolt checks on it and whatnot, and found a couple uh, had started kind of loosening up, got that all tightened up, and then I was sitting there and I noticed um, I, a little breeze came up, and I noticed that I was I was happened to be looking at the tip of a blade. It was just kind of in my field of vision, 
And I was like, wow, that that's like, it's like rocking like an inch. And, um, so there was a shim issue in the head and, uh, it was just not, uh, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was loose. Let's put it that way. So I didn't fly it anymore. I got two flights on it that day. Wait a minute. What, what was the shim issue? It just, there was, uh, there was a shim kit that we put in. Nick had a, I had the upgraded yeah, the, dampers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. But it was a last minute thing. I, I just, it's one of those. I hadn't built mine in so long. Someone asked him on a Facebook post, what dampers are you running? And right when they said it, I was like, oh, dude, we never put the updated, the newer Delrin dampers in there. Right. Right. So then I just grabbed a couple out of the, you know, out of my parts bin and was like, here, throw these in. Well, I didn't give, I, it's been so long, I did not give him the the shims that go along with it. Yeah, so, I just didn't you know, even think about it. Yeah, and so I just was like, yeah, Nick was like, ah, just go ahead and fly it if it's, I was like, eh, it feels a little loose. So I, anyway, I, I decided to, to pack it in. So I came home, I went out to Public Works where Nick usually flies. And uh, we looked at that issue, um, got it fixed right away, and then we headed out to Lindenfield. Yeah. And uh, so we headed out again after Nick got home from work. And... Um, proceeded to get some flights in, you know, and I'm working on some stuff that I'd never done before. Uh, you know, I started doing a few weeks ago and I was here last time. Lots of stuff. And, um, I was up really high and I was, uh, after a few, I think it was a third or fourth flight in, we decided that we were going to put, uh, to actually turn the rescue on. We, we put it on one of Nick's helis first so he could play with it, kind of see what it was like. And, uh, we, after he did his flight, we went ahead and, and uh, set it up on mine mm-hmm. and uh, tried it out. It was working just fine. Um, proceeded to, t- I was up doing some inverted circles pretty high. I was, you know, in the middle of three or four of them. And I came around and, it, and the light, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't, I, want, I don't want to say it was late in the evening, but it was getting to that kind of that lighting point where, you know, it's just a little off sometimes, you know, in the, as you start to get closer to the evening. And I was, I just, I lost it. I was like, man, I don't, uh, I just, I don't, I went to do an aileron roll and it just started diving to the ground. And I was like, huh. <laughs> and my first thought was, well, hey, I got that rescue. Cause we just literally, the flight before that turned it on, <laughs> but I hadn't practiced, you know, hitting the switch in a moment's notice. So I hit a switch. Turns out I turned it into bank three. So I made it, you know, go even faster by increasing the head speed. <laughs> and I hit the switch and, and I paused for a minute. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's not working. And I thought, oh shit, that was bank three. You need to go to the next switch up and um, hit it. And just as it was, as it was coming right up, I mean, it was a ways from the tree line. Uh, Jesse, you're familiar. The trees are pretty tall yeah. out there. yeah. From where I was sitting, it was to the point now where it was coming below the tops of the trees, but I was still within in the field. And um, I hit that switch and saved the helicopter. It was absolutely beautiful. Nice. Yeah, it was. Sweet, uh, dude. I haven't seen him grin like that. Right there. <laughs> yeah. He just, he came back down. He's like, I just used it. And it. I Dude, mean, intentionally, it was what incredible. a confidence booster! Dude, totally, man, it was great. I was like, "That's my buddy box for you know yeah. all, all intents and purposes." We you know? and we talked about this, Nick, during when you were down there two weeks ago because I was using the Bavarian Demon bailout for double pyro flips. 
Uh, and I, I remember we had a conversation about the fact that you were getting excited about Dan trying it on the Neo for that that exact reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, he'll my guess is he'll use it a little bit differently than you were. But it's still just the point that it's there, you know, and it it allows it just it allows him to, you know, like he had the the new heli out there and he's like, oh, I just can't quite get myself to do half parallel flips, you know, because it's a brand new heli and it's Mm -hmm. a move that he was just Mm -hmm. working on. And that was like the day before. So I just well, I said here quick. So he grabbed the buddy box real quick and he just did him right away. It was no big deal. And and that was that. But this will hopefully take that edge out of it. You know? It's, well, I, you it's know, what? I was I was completely like um, this whole all, all kidding aside, the, the joking about switching to V-Bar and, and the V-Control. And, and, and I know other systems have it, right? But I'm really enjoying it in that uh, the setup is without computer. Because to be honest with you right now, I don't even have a laptop. I had to turn mine in from work, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, it's it's just really nice to have all that stuff right on the on the on the controller. And I, I at that moment in time, I was like, all all the ribbing that I've gotten from not only you guys but listeners, totally worth it. I mean, I I would do it all over again because that that one switch, we would have been picking up parts for a half hour. Or Nick would have been climbing a tree. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, way up nice. in the tree. And it just, it, it, I don't know, because it was, um, like Nick said, I said, wow, that, that's a pretty big confidence boost because now, now I'm like, well, I can pretty much within reason, as long as I give myself enough elevation, there's no reason for me to not try any, anything. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, you know, that, I was really, I was very happy with it. And uh, so, I don't know, I got, I don't know, eight or nine flights in that night, eight flights, I think. Um, And I believe that was Thursday night, right, Nick? Yes, it was. Yep. So, this morning, um, I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, look at this weather. I mean, they don't have this kind of weather out here very often. I better go take advantage of it. So, I headed out to Public Works again. And... I got out there about 11.30, stayed till about 4.30, and got like 12 flights in. And I was really kind of wishing that Nick could at least show up and see what I was doing because that whole half pyro flip and those inverted circles, work, trying, to, trying to get the figure eight circuits in, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really have to use the rescue switch. But it gave me the confidence to just go ahead and work on that stuff regardless. And I was able to bail out, didn't have any issues. And man, dude, you should have been there, Nick. I was really putting that whole half pair of flip, not losing an elevation, adding it into maneuvers and using it as a transition into another maneuver. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's sighted at this point. I'm only kind of comfortable doing it off to my right side and I'm okay with that because I've only been doing it for a couple of days mm-hmm. right so I will work it into um, my left side and doing it in various other orientations but god I had a, it was just a great day and I started the uh, the tally marks on the uh, door of the <laughs> on trailer the trailer door nice <laughs> so we're just going to continue to work on that 
You know, one thing I want to talk to a little bit about is um, someone made a comment because I posted that uh, picture of the box. And someone said um, something about being a Goblin fanboy, something like that. Kind of getting a little, little ribbing, which is fine. But I got to tell you, um, I'm loving that 570. I just, uh, I, I'm, it's really, it's a comfortable helicopter to fly because it's still relative, it's small relatively, but it does not, it doesn't give me that small heli bad taste, right? In my mouth that I get whenever I fly a small heli. Yeah. And, uh, it's super visible, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really having any issues seeing Nick's and his white, uh, but this one here is that, that, you know, that very high, vibrant green, yellow color, right? With a little bit of red. And it's perfect. Now I'm a little, I was like, oh man, gosh, I was, I was like, I, I should fire up one of the gassers. <laughs> yeah. I just, I couldn't, I just was like having too much fun. And we've got three packs and, um, you know, we, we added in the, the bump charging this week. Uh, Nick finished uh, building my uh, charging case with the bump charger, put, put it the rest of the way together. And I'm um, enjoying that as well. It's just been a good week of uh, adding new things and uh, kind of enjoying that newer technology. And uh, the bump chargers is is uh, it's is it necessary for me? Probably not. But is it cool? Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. See, I remember you were like, I don't really. I mean, it's it's not. It's not. Yeah. I, I mean, know, it, and I still kind of feel that way. I mean, it's. It's, for me, with three packs, it's, it's just, it's not really necessary, but I had it, mm -hmm. and it's cool as hell, and I'm glad that I did decide to use it as opposed to doing whatever else I was going to end up doing with it. Uh, I mean, it's it's just slick. It, it really is. It is really cool. I, I enjoy it. So, we've got, oh man, we've got a, quite a few new things here to, that I haven't done for quite some time. I mean, just the flying alone. Like, I was... Like today I was, uh, and I was in the zone and it's, it's that three packs is just enough to where you can just continue to fly. Yeah. Uh, you get done, uh, you know, the last one, you know, by the time you get to your third pack, the the first one's charged, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it was one right after the other. It took a short break kind of later in the afternoon, left a little treasure out there at Nick and Jesse's flying place for him. <laughs> My advice, Jesse, if you go out and you happen to see the scooter trail, don't follow it. <laughs> there be some gold All at the right. end of that rainbow. That's good, oh, advice. good advice. I went way out there, though, so that's good. And uh, look, that. so I was doing some stuff, too, that I hadn't done in a while. or Well, long while. I was actually cutting grass. Now, now granted, the grass is five feet tall, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it worked to my advantage twice today. I was able to cut grass and I was able to go out into the middle of an open field and take care of business. For <laughs> nobody was the wiser. I cut some grass and I fertilized some grass. <laughs> no, I was, I was spending far too much time. Actually, Nick, one thing I didn't tell you that did happen today. I was, uh, that well, I mentioned that, that, that kid stopped by and wanted to talk to me for a little bit and he wanted to see the heli fly. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, you can make it do a, a nose dive and everything. And I was like, yeah. So I was showing him and I was getting a little too, I, I guess maybe aggressive and I was coming down and kind of misjudged the distance. Now I wasn't too worried about it because the grass is so tall, but when I 
pulled out of the dive, the heli actually went out of my sight under the grass for about 15 feet. <laughs> and he was like, oh, that's the coolest thing I ever saw. Because as the heli comes back up out of the grass, it's carrying, you know, you know. Oh, yeah. It's bringing oh, pieces yeah. of grass with yeah. it. Yeah. He was like, oh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally meant to do that. Totally meant to do that. Now I have to go out in the field. <laughs> I have to go back out in the field. It's a good thing I brought an extra pair of pants with me. No, it was fun. We had, I had a good time. I'm, I'm really looking, I'm hoping that uh, e- either way, I, uh, no matter what the weather's doing on Sunday, it would be nice to go down and hang out with Justin, get some flying in so I can wow him with my new abilities. Or we'll fly here. Either way, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. The, uh, I'm very happy that I've got the V control and the the goblins at this point. So I guess uh, I remember when Nick had to eat crow when he made that switch. Uh, I'm prepared. I've got my napkins here. I'm ready to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I got it. I just, um, man, it's it, the heli just works. What can I say? So that, that's what you want in a helicopter, right? Yes, that's the key. That's why I fly what I fly. Um, what you uh, you should tell everyone why you have what batteries you have. Oh, for the battery review? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because Nick Nick's got a ton of helicopters that he wants to enjoy, right? He's got the Nitro and a couple other uh, the seven hundred, seven seventy, and stuff. And doing a review on five batteries that's a lot of flying. Right. And not necessarily getting to enjoy other helis as well. So we decided that, you know, my heli is pretty much set up exactly the way heli- or Nick's heli is. Mm-hmm. Minus maybe some head speed. Um, no. Is it the same exact head speed? Exact same head speed. 2200, by the way. 2200. So we thought this is a great opportunity to, to I don't know, I, I, I like it because it's kind of given me a reason to help out with a review, kind of some purpose, right? Gives uh-huh. me gives me a um, a reason to make sure that I go out and fly because I'm going to be helping out Nick with the review. Uh, we're going to be able to uh, swap some of these batteries out when we meet up. Uh, Nick will still be doing the technical side of it as far as measuring uh, whatever it is he measures. My gosh, <laughs> data, data, yeah, that stuff. But we'll swap out some batteries every month or so, month and a half, however long it takes, uh, you know, and then he's going to keep up uh, with the batteries because I got three of the five Mm -hmm. and um, he's going to keep up with his, uh, with my flight count, with the two that he's got left that allows him to spend a little time with his other helis as well, because five batteries, my gosh. That's that's it. That's a lot of, it takes a lot of time to get through those. Yes. So I'll be able to pitch in with that. I'm excited about that. We're gonna we're gonna get that get some flight counts uh, built up on those cells on those batteries. So yeah, it was it was just a cool deal. We got to thinking about it, and it's like, hey, wait a minute, got the same heli, same everything, and then also you know he's got the UI sensor on there, mm-hmm. um, so we can set all of the alarms at exactly the same voltages that I have, so that nothing is over or under discharge compared to how I would do it. And then the big thing is the flight count 
um, on the bump controller setup, the flight count on the battery is stored in the tag. So you don't have to like, he doesn't need to track his flights at all. Because every time he bumps it and charges it, it adds it to that battery and it stays within the tag. So then he'll, you know, I'll try and ballpark match his flight count with those three batteries and like Snohomish will swap. I'll take those three. I'll give him these and we'll put the same amount of cycles on them just because, you know, his flying style is different than mine. And we want to make sure that, you know, if he gets 50 cycles on those or 40 cycles on them, that it's the same style of flying for 40 cycles on all of the batteries. So it still keeps the review, I mean, extremely accurate. And it will ultimately, it's going to make the review better because we will just have flat out more cycles on the packs um, in a shorter amount of time. So I think it's it's awesome. It's it's just a sweet deal. And it's it's neat to see... It's kind of neat to see Dan nerding out a little bit. Yeah, I was going to actually mention that because we did put, and we're going to, I'm not going to go into any, I'm not going to talk about it right now because uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about it later in the show. But as Nick mentioned, I got the UI sensor uh, on there and there is some uh, things about it that I'm kind of starting to like. And of course, we're, we, like I said, we're going to be talking a little bit about that later in the show. But, uh, that pretty much wraps it up. It's been a pretty eventful few weeks. Uh, Heli-wise, uh, you know, the the turnaround, I feel, for me has happened. I mean, I was just absolutely, and by myself, as typically I do fly by myself, I was just, usually I don't, I, I fly, I wait, you know, I hang out, whatever, listen to some music. But this was one right after the other, you know, and it just, that's not, the norm for me. So it's, I, I, I wanted to get back out immediately and fly. So that's exciting stuff. Yes, it is. That pretty much uh, wraps it up for me. How about you, man? We all know crashing sucks, but the only thing worse than crashing is missing something during the repair and watching it pile right back in. Well, guess what? The greatness that is the Soco Heli tool can save you time and from making a costly mistake during your diagnostic process. Simply slap on the Soco Heli tool after a crash and you can check your main shaft, spindle shaft, servo horn teeth, and servo gears without even removing the head from the heli. That simple five minute check can save you hundreds and hundreds of dollars and get you more stick time in the long run. So remember, if you want your equipment to be reliable, then you have to be a good heli mechanic. And if you want to be a good heli mechanic, you have to have good tools. Soko Heli Tools. Because quality and precision is worth it. Get your Soko Heli Tools at www.socohelitools.com. Yeah, like Justin had mentioned, I got down there with him. That was a lot of fun. I had a lot of tuning to do. I had reset some models just from scratch. You know, again, trying new stuff while still working on my flying. I've I've maintained a pretty good balance this year, I feel. Like I'm polishing up some maneuvers. I'm adding a couple more. Um, and, you know, and again, just spending a little more time with each model and really focusing on the the tuning side of it and 
It's just, it was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, yeah, I got a little windy and I did have my allergies kicked up pretty bad. So that cut that day kind of short. Um, let's see, moving on. Um, wow, I got to think about when the next time, what the heck? Oh, I was camping last weekend. That's right. So I did not get any flying then. Uh, Dan was, had intended on showing up like midweek and then I get this, <laughs> I get a text. I was like, so yeah, uh, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. I might just show up Wednesday and then it was, yeah. So how's about, how, how about Tuesday? And then did you show up Monday? I think so. Um, it, it might've been, I don't know. It was just kind of funny. You could tell that, yeah, I that, think it was Monday. that new heli building itch was there. And he was like, okay, I just, I just want to get there. Oh, and then I, then I asked him, I sent him a text. I'm like, hey, how far out are you? And he's like, in your trailer building my 570. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, nice. okay, I see it. <laughs> so, yeah, we spent, we spent some days building and some nights building, just kind of going through everything. It was, it was fun to, you know, to see him gain a lot of interest in the technical side and the tuning side and really, you know, wanting to learn stuff that he never had any interest in really before. So that, that was kind of neat. I mean, that was really neat to, to be kind of back in the mentoring role and just to see that excitement in someone on my helicopter end. I got, I got my seven ten Thunderbolts, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, so I got those put on. And then I also got my new pulley and it's a pulley and clutch assembly for the nitro. So it is stretched in 700 form. It's got a set of 690s on it now. Uh, hopefully I will be flying the 690 Thunderbolts on it fairly shortly. Tomorrow will be, or well, Sunday, I will get a chance to fly it. I Made it, remade it back out in the backyard just to check and make sure that everything worked and all the RPM was reading properly and everything. And then I managed to forget my starter in the backyard in the grass. So I didn't get to fly it the other night, but that's okay. Um, Let's see, man. I feel like there's just so stinking much, but I'm almost kind of missing it. Uh, bear with me. Dan, what am I, what am I missing? Oh, yeah, it was good to get back out. Oh, that's right. Okay, so Wednesday came around, and I had got a text when I was gone. It was kind of funny. Random text on my phone from a phone number I didn't have in my contacts. It was like, hey, man, how's it going? Good. And then they called. Like, dude, yeah, so do you think you could come out and do a demo? We're doing a demo at the at this school in Linden. And I was like, uh sure the whole time like not having a freaking clue who this even was <laughs> you know but it was for the last day of school they were having like a huge play day they were, they had blow up stuff and all sorts of games for the kids and so it was the some of the linden flying club guys that were out there so i said yeah sure so dan and i we showed up there you know about six thirty, something like that to find that it is probably the most constrained box I have ever flown in. I feel pretty comfortable flying low and close. This was interesting because it was like there were houses 
infant. Oh, no. Yeah. It was pretty, and, and a lot of kids. And I kind of was like, wow, this is... Uh, kind of sketchy sounding, yeah, dude. Like, kinda, scary. It, it kind of was. It was very, very uncomfortable flying. Didn't bother the multirotor guy at all. Oh, yeah. I'll get yeah. Just throwing it down in that box. <sighs> so, uh, you know, did some flights. I did a flight on the 770 and... And uh, 700, the 570, it was really neat to see people, to hear the kids, you know, like I started out. When you do demo flights, it's very different than like, you don't do anything that has anything to do with like your hardest maneuver because they have no concept. Like a Piro TikTok to someone that has no idea what a Piro TikTok is really isn't that impressive, you know, but like a low pass inverted pass or a regular TikTok is just like mind blowing. So it was kind of fun just to do in some light sport flying. And then you flip it over upside down and like all the kids are like, what? It's upside down. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, probably the highlight of my evening. So of course everyone, you know, you hear all the kids cut the grass. Cut the grass. Well, they had mowed. And they had mowed well. Very, very well. Jesse, you know, linden lawn mow. Oh, yeah. It's a putting green. Yeah. So. A little touch longer, but yeah. Putting green. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, yeah, here we go. So I did it once with one. You know, every flight at that point, I was just going down and kind of barely touching the grass. And then the last flight, I think it was with the, uh, I don't even remember if it was with the 570 or 700. And I go there and drop it down. It was like, okay, here we go, Nick. So it's a, like the last flight of the day. Make it count. And I did, without question, the best lawn mowing I have ever done. It was, it was like, put it there, get it cutting. And then let it slide like six feet over the whole time while cutting and just grab it. It was awesome. It was nice. It was like one of those ones where you can stand back 40 feet and see, you know, see where it was cut. And with it being that low, that was a little hairy. Yeah, the multi-rotor guy. I've pretty much come to the conclusion and all the multi-rotor people who listen to this show I'm sorry, but you guys got to take this one. They really are the devil. I mean, it is. And now I'm not talking about our, you know, like our FPV friends that FPV race. But the DJI pilots, that whole boom, you know, because DJI and, and the whole, you know, video camera on there for filming purpose came before the FPV racing did. So I'm not talking about the FPV racers. I'm talking about those multi-rotor people. They are without a doubt, hands down, the single reason that we are in a bad spot with this hop. Those people. Unequivocally. And I got to see it firsthand. We got some old guy out there with an Inspire. Obviously, and I mean very obviously, had never flown anything before he got that or 
maybe like the Phantom 2 that he had before that. Oh, I thought you were going to say hadn't flown anything before showing up to the field. <laughs> <laughs> Made in flight. <laughs> but like, he, for the record, he struggled to lower it to land it even remotely smoothly. We're talking two foot jumps at a time. Um, he would only fly it. He would fly it out and GPS return it back. Every time. Like that's the only way that he could fly it. He could only fly it tail end. And you want to talk about the worst case of disregard for safety. At one point, Dan and I were sitting down in lawn chairs and it's like, you know how when someone's just like inches behind you breathing and you want to stand up, turn around and just backhand them. I mean, like full on bitch slap with a little bit of powder. I could have stood up, turned around, reached up and grabbed it. That's how close it was. Oh, damn. And he had no he had very little control over this. So he's coming and it's just I mean, I'm I'm kid you not. He is doing about three. I want to be honest. So about three feet to four feet tops above all of these kids heads passes like fast passes down over everyone. And at some point, he's flying it, letting it go by him, looking down at the screen, looking up, and has no concept of where it is. Like, looking all over the sky, like, hey, I wonder where it is. Yeah, he also would bring it down in groups of people to eye level. Yep. Oh, my God. He he was landing and taking it off literally two feet. Two feet away from kids. From the... Yeah, the 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 caution tape line that they had. That of course all the kids are you know leaning up against the caution tape because that's what kids do. Two feet. Yeah. It, uh, I. It, it was yeah. a really awkward thing where, if it would not have been an entire school full of children, and uh, uh like a promotional event. I would have turned around and and just verbally assaulted that man because it was was the, he old? Yes. Yep. One other thing that he did is uh, Nick and I were just sitting there and uh, we're kind of facing the flight line, maybe forty five degree angle away from it, and we're wa- and we you're forced to watch the machine because you're watching him bring it in and it's just all jittery, you know, side to side, he's struggling to land. And uh, so he takes it off and we're watching it because that's what you do when you're not comfortable around somebody flying. And this thing is pointed right at me, dude. And it's maybe four or five feet off the ground. Now I'm sitting down in a chair and all of a sudden it just leans right at me and he just does a flyby. And I literally jumped. I mm-hmm. literally went, geez, I even said something. a flyby? Like he meant to fly it Dude, past he, you? He, yes. took, he took it off. It's pointing right at me. And he just puts it into like a 30 degree lean, like fast forward flight. Straight at him. Straight right over the top no of No way, dude. Had I been standing, it would have hit me. Yep. Oh, dude. I was like, 
At some point, oh, you're geez. a better man than I. I probably would have decked the guy. I well, think I think he hurt us because he kind of shut it down after that. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, and it was just a really. It's a difficult situation because I I used to fly it with that club. Uh, Jesse and I did out at Linden. Yep, all the time. All the time. And, and the the guys in that club are amazing. This is my pro planker in me. All those guys, we're the only guys that fly helis. They all fly airplanes, and I couldn't want to fly with a better group of guys. We get along. We coexist just like perfectly. They are so respectful of us. We're respectful of them. It's great. And I haven't flown out there in a long time because since, you know, we moved over here, we found a place to fly. It's just a longer drive. So, you know, when I found out that it was them that called me, it was like I hadn't seen a lot of these guys in a long time. And you're doing a promotional event. It was definitely not the time and the place to create a scene. And if I would have started there would have been a large scene because I could not have done that politically correct. Well, the kids would have loved it. Yeah, but it was, I mean, but there would have been like, you know, I would have had to turn around and yell earmuffs to an entire crowd of, of kids because I was going to let that guy have it. And I didn't want to, you know, create a scene in front of those guys in the club because those why guys, didn't you pull them aside afterwards, dude? Because he left. Because he left. Yeah, he left oh, before the before with his the, tail between his legs. He heard us. He had to hear us. I mean, because we. I mean, we we were kind of getting to that point where we kind of stopped whispering to each other and just started talking to each other. Yeah, about the bullshit. we've been around you guys at Fun Flies enough to know that you never really start with whispering. <laughs> so I'm quite certain that not only him but other people around you heard you. And and I think they would have agreed with us. Anybody oh, who yeah. watched dude, that, dude, I would have been with you right there. Well, Absolutely. And so here's the thing. It's not his. This wasn't a case of here's a guy who's flying normal and his doing one thing that maybe isn't the greatest idea. You know what I mean? Like, Jesse, remember when we did that demo out at the the Planker Club Red River? Yeah. And they asked, you know, I went and did a flight or something like that. And I did where I kind of flew at me off to one side a little bit, did a nose over into kind of a wall. And and it was to a heli guy. No big deal at all. Yeah. Yeah. But they asked afterwards. They're like, hey, we've actually had an incident where someone froze and a plane came flying straight into all the people. So they said, will you do us a favor and not fly straight at everyone? I was like, oh, yeah, no problem at all. I mean, and that's all that it was. This guy, it wasn't one thing. You could tell that nothing, zero, anything about any of his flying was safe. So it wasn't, it was like you couldn't really even say the only thing to say to that guy was do everyone in this world a favor and never fly around anyone. Yeah. Take up RC cars. Yeah. And that's that. That's the thing. I mean, he was doing look, if he if he would have exhibited any amount of proficiency control. Yeah, I, I would have been a little more comfortable. But I also feel that had he had the had he been able to exhibit some proficiency, he wouldn't have been doing what he was doing. He would have approached yeah. it a mu- in a much safer, 
you know, when he wants to get a group of a, a shot of a group of people, he probably, you know, would have come around from the outside instead of just flying right over who God knows where and who and just is it had to be direct tail in line of sight for him to get the shot. Yeah. So he couldn't approach it from the other side and come nose in. He, you know, he couldn't. That's scary, dude. And he, look, I even told Nick, I said, if I had no RC experience and I were an FAA guy and I was sitting here watching this, yeah, I would be like, we've got to do something yeah, about I this get shit. It. Yeah. Yeah. Because Although, we have a problem. You know, let, let me, uh, so I agree completely. That was an absolutely horrible situation. And I, and I think that the, the highest probability of that occurring is with people that have multi rotors, right? We've talked about this before. And it's because you can go and buy them nowadays relatively cheap, ready to fly. And, you know, it'll at least get off the ground and hover without really any skill or appreciation for how to control the vehicle. And then once you get it in the air, you do stupid shit like this guy. But it's also not to say that there aren't other people, and you guys know we've been at fun flies before around people with real helis, pod and booms, where it's just like, oh shit. You know, so and so is flying. Take cover. Yeah. And and, and I mean I'm not I'm not at all trying to say that those people in pod and booms have the same lack of skill as this guy displayed. But I guess the message I'm trying to put out is not, not just that old planker-esque bastards with multi-rotors that don't have skill are evil, but if you don't know how to fly your shit, then don't overextend your skills. I don't think that he knew that it was bad. No, I don't think he did. You, you didn't think he was thinking to himself, damn, no, not look at me. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. No, I think that he thought that this was like awesome. And look at this. I'm so cool. I'll get down here and get That's some really good video. That's what I'm trying to say, dude. I don't think he had any concept that what he was doing was unsafe in any way, shape, or form. But because how, think about how it. How is that possible? Because you know why? Because he didn't work his way up through this hobby. He hasn't dealt with a hot start. He hasn't been bit by a tail rotor. He hasn't had, you know, a spool up on the bench. He hasn't been to a fun fly to see the bad shit that can happen. He hasn't been out at the field to see chicken dances or anything like all of us have. The guy has no concept of consequences because all he did was Bought a multi-rotor, put it up into the air with GPS. There's I, never, I hear you. He doesn't, he hasn't seen all the hell. Now, I'm sure, guess what? When that thing bails, the prop cracks or whatever, he has a motor go out or it doesn't, you know, on a cloudy day, he has no concept of that, and it bails and hits someone and hurts something, then he will. But that's the problem. There's There was no... Up until that point, up until he's that point, be he genuinely had no concept. Well, yeah, and maybe I give people too much credit. I mean, we're talking about something that has spinning blades on it. But see, here's the deal, Justin. It's like, it's like, okay, so these guys they buy these machines, and uh, you know, when you go buy a new car or a new toaster or a new coffee machine, 
you expect that when you plug it into the wall, it's going to continue to work because every time, every time, but why see, wouldn't it? He has no concept that these mechanical things will fail. I mean, even the electrical that, yeah, motors and that's a will good fail. Point. You know, he just spent a thousand or yeah, however why much would it, it is on work? that Inspire. Right. When he spends thousands of dollars on something else, it works. So it why does. wouldn't this one? Yeah. And that that is a good point. I agree. I, I guess I'm just it's it's such a foreign concept for me, probably because of all the experience that I've got, just like you just said, Nick, that we all have over the years that someone could come into the hobby any any sector of the hobby, whether it's planks, helis, multi-rotors, and sit there at a fun fly and watch even their first ever heli pilot fly and not think, holy shit, that thing's dangerous. I just, I don't think so. I mean, you, you know, if you were to take or I were to take or any one of us were to take, put a brand new, you know, Cosmic 200 on the bench, plug it in and it pops. Not a single one of us or probably anyone listening to this show would be like, not understand how that could happen. I mean, everyone would go, really? Are you kidding me? This is stupid. But no one would be like genuinely, I just don't understand. Like, how could this possibly happen? Because it's, it's stuff. It's toys. Unless it's a BEC on a Forza. (laughs) <laughs> then, then maybe we might say that. Yeah. But just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just, it happens and we get it, but they don't. Yep. Yeah. So. And that's, that's the, that's the scary part because, you know, and it's like I've said many times uh, when uh, guys like Fred are flying in close, it's not a critique of his ability. Of course, in this guy's case, it would have been, but it's a, it's, it's the, it's the consciousness of knowing that mechanical failure can happen at any time. Yep. And it would have been, it's a margin of safety thing. Exactly. Yep. It's it not been, always a commentary on don't come that close because I don't trust you as a pilot. It's don't come that close because if something goes wrong, even if you're doing everything in your power to protect yourself and others, you may not have enough margin to make it safe. Right. Yeah. And that's really what it boils down to. I mean, this guy's hovering this Inspire three, two, three feet away from a whole group of kids. And he's thinking it's safe because it's stable, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and and yeah, it's just sitting there and nothing. But what happens if he loses his GPS? What happens if a motor quits? What happens? I mean, it just all goes crazy. That's ridiculous, man. You know, and he's eye level with, you know, nine-year-olds. I don't know if I want to feel bad for him and pull him aside and teach him or i just want to punch him i just want to bitch slap him yeah it wasn't it was uncomfortable now luckily nothing did happen it 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 went great um you know a lot of people there were asking and lots of questions and overall it went oh it was great it went very well and it was good to get back in contact with those guys and it kind of also solved a little bit of one of my problems, which was where do I fly? Um, I guess I just kind of spaced out that why is this place not an option? It is a bit of a drive. The old Linden field. Yeah, it's 20 minutes uh, from my house. But it's a nice field. Are you kidding me? It's very nice. 
Dude. Hell yeah. Don't have to worry about bringing the lawnmower. (laughs) Never. Like you mentioned. It's like a freaking putting green. (laughs) It is. And they do it and they love it and they keep it all up because they're real weird about that. So you don't ever have to feel. And they're just happy to have you out there. I mean, that's what's the cool part. They're like, man, just come out and fly. You know, just come on out. Don't worry about anything. And, And when we went out there, they've actually. Jesse, did you see that whole upgraded tractor thing? No, I don't think I have. So they've, I mean, they have, uh, the tractor club is next to it, and they have invested a ton in that place. So it really just kind of solidifies that this place will be here, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time. And they've got tables, and and I can pull the trailer up to one of the end ones and, and still keep it sideways. And it was nice because, you know, like it's uh, for Dan to get, you know, back and forth between the trailer. And it just worked out really well. Now, is that the one that faces west and there's like a line of trees on the south side, the left no, of the field? No, it faces north. north and, the, and the trees are on the east. The right yep. side. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only problem, though, with that field, and I kind of found this because... I joined last year and did, you know, the, the year membership. And I, I was flying there a little bit, but the only thing I found is during the week, the field's great. You can go there, bang out basically as many flights as you want. But during the weekend, you run right back into that same issue of they can fly their planes a lot. You know, the flight times are a lot longer. They'll get multiple guys up there and they'll just kind of keep trickling up in the air. And it seems like they do these 20 minute flight sessions Yeah, and it just, I mean, the number of flights you can get in on a Saturday is significantly less out there. Well, but even so, what I'm realizing is there's (laughs) I don't think that's just there. That's like welcome to any club. It's like you can't have your cake and eat it, too. If you want an awesome club that has nice grass and that you have to deal with people. Now, I want to find I want to find our own field somewhere you know because even when i come down to snohomish jesse you and i did out at troy's house where it was just the two of us we did mm-hmm. like 15 flights in two two hours yeah it was great it was a lot but when i went down to snohomish with justin i spent you know got down there at 10 and flew until three so five hours and did like 12 yeah, yeah. but but you're right I agree, but you were also pretty slow that day, dude, because you were not feeling it. Yeah, like you weren't in your typical like I'm just going to bang them out sort of. No, well, because you can't because it it, if there's someone up flying. I mean, I guess I could have. I don't know. It's just a different mindset. Yeah, no, I hear you. That's what I'm saying. Let's. We got to find a. We got to find our own private field halfway between Bellingham and Seattle. Dude, that's, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna look for a, a speed specific field yeah okay seriously that's still like freaking still five hours of driving drive to the field five hours for you dan dude it takes forever to get anywhere around here yeah that's true yeah but i think yep, that yep. was the extent uh, of my adventures we're gonna do some more working on dan's stuff tomorrow we got some what do we got to do we got sensors to put in we got 
tails to upgrade and get the gassers all ready and for Sunday. And it's going to be a gasser smack fest. We're going to work on getting the gassers all tuned up and ready to roll. Because Nick wants to know what a properly tuned 300 feels like. Yes, one with a sensor in it that works. Yep. All right, I guess that wraps it up. Maybe uh, we got any news this week? We do. Please imagine that. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. What do we got for news this week? Uh, Jesse, Nick, Jesse, Justin, anybody? Uh, Jesse could take one. I have one. news. I've got some news. Oh, geez. Jesse, you take news. one I'll of these take, and, and I'll, I'll take, take one. one of them. Sure. All right. So the first thing we hit on this a couple weeks ago, but the Protos 380 kit, you can officially pre-order it now. And it looks like, so they're offering up a couple different things. So you got the Protos 380 with the Brain 2 Mini, and then you got the Protos 380 uh, with the upgraded canopy and the Brain 2 Mini. So the normal one, 450, upgraded one, 500. Honestly, Nick, how does that? So how does that compare with the Goblin prices? Oh, you know, uh, I'll tell you. Yeah, he was. Yes, know. let's hear it. Uh, it's, I, I was actually really surprised about this. That's an expensive little heli. Um, I mean, it's, Wait. it's cheaper than the goblin when you include the, the brain and you get in the fly bar of the system. Yeah. But yep. go and look at the parts prices. So the goblin hmm. kit is three ninety five. Yeah. And you're looking at what is it? It's what did you say again, Jesse? Four fifty. Four fifty standard for one. the standard one with the brain, and it's yep. like four. What is it? Five hundred with uh, the evolution or whatever it's called. For, yeah, five hundred. Okay, so yep. you figure seventy five or a hundred bucks new for a brain if you sold it on the on the for sale forums. You're down to like three fifty to three seventy five. So it's cheaper mm-hmm. than the goblin. But the parts prices are really a lot higher than I was expecting. Hmm. Like, go ahead and take a look. It's like, I don't know, 10 or 12 bucks for a main shaft. I guess it's just going to depend on what parts, you know, what parts break during the normal crashes. Because, you know, to be fair, like... It it almost doesn't matter how much a goblin main shaft is because I've never bent one ever. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I okay, agree. Yeah, but I mean, from typical parts prices is all I'm saying. Yeah, right? yeah. No, I hear you. I'm not saying it's more see. expensive than a goblin. It's just it seems like it's about the same as a goblin for parts prices. Yeah. What other 380? The only other one is the X3, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that thing's... Sorry. Well, it's it's a lot cheaper, and there are a lot of people out there that love them. I haven't flown one before, um, and and it's definitely a different design philosophy Yeah. than either of these two. Don't you have but- to stretch the X3 to get it to 380, though? 
Or is that a different heli? Uh, no, you do, although the new uh, X3L is sort of like the, it's kind of like a Goblin 380-ish looking thing with the boom cover, and you can get two or three blade versions. wonder how and much it, that is. It is, well, let's check. Because we got to make sure compar- we're. Yeah, we got to make sure we're doing the right. Even to here, even. Right? You know, because okay. a 360 is not a 380. Right. You're right. So, okay. Uh, the Goblin, oh, sorry, the Gowie X3L with three blades okay. is 279. Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh. That is definitely. And that cheaper. comes with blades. And yeah, main and tail blades, and it can swing up to three eighty five. Interesting. Yeah, and it's I definitely super lightweight too. I definitely agree with you on the parts prices. Even comparing them to like the uh, Protos Max V two, I mean, the, it obviously it's it's cheaper, but it's not the to the level you would expect. It wasn't this, what I was the size different. When I heard the Protos three eighty, I was like, oh my god. It's a Protos Max V2 in design, simplicity, robustness, mm-hmm. and pricing. And then I looked at the parts, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's MHS's or MSH's version of a Goblin 380. Yep. Yeah, okay, but on the flip side, 380 flies freaking badass, and I have no doubt that that thing won't fly Oh, badass. yeah, dude, no, so, no question. I think I'm, it's kind of cool because all, I mean, I am... Very okay with admitting that Goblin is not for a lot of people. They don't want that style. They want pod and boom, and they're maybe they're just anti-Goblin. Uh, for that side of it, I think it's freaking awesome. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. Well, and just yeah, just more. I mean, just more options in general. Yeah, keep it keep it competitive. It's always nice to see more airframes at that size. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's see. Uh, Blade has out. Let's see. We they have the Trio three hundred and sixty CFX Bind and Fly Basic Kit. So what this is? This is a three hundred and sixty CFX with a three blade setup, um, all Bind and Fly ready to go. Six hundred bucks. Now, how about that? Not. Mm. Not too shabby. Now, this remember this is with the seventy, the AR seventy two ten BX. This is not a cheapo plastic one. This is their, you know, full carbon fiber. The whole deal, really nice looking little heli. Um, I know a lot still of success. Yep, it's a pretty sweet little deal. I mean, I I go back to you know I always liked my Blade seven hundred. It had a couple design flaws that that plague you know some people but as far as flying wise it flew amazing yeah i'm i'm kind of curious i wonder if there's still a place and i guess we'll find out with you know with a model like this is there still a place in the market for a bind and fly heli of this size i mean are because I, I just, I guess I assume that when someone's building a heli, you know, you're going to spend 600 bucks on a helicopter that you're going to spec out the components. You're going to build it exactly how you want it. And you're going to understand how the helicopter works, functions, setup, or this, you know, someone's going to buy it, pull it out of the box, 
connect it to their spectrum transmitter and away they go. Is there, I don't know, is there, is, you think there's a huge need for that? Is there that many new people coming into the hobby looking yeah. for this sort of platform or are they going to tend to go with the 380 or the Protos platform where they're doing that complete build themselves? I think what it is, Jesse, is it's for someone who's already invested heavily in the mm. bind and fly bind and fly approach. And yep. this is going to be like one of their, you know, new big helis, like yeah. their first big or more complex design. Gotcha. Yeah. They started with spectrum. They're really comfortable. Maybe they've got a yep. 7,200 BX on, on another one. So they know what they're getting. Um, yeah, I could, I could easily see that. I think I agree with Justin. I don't know if it's a, big need but you know i could i could see it yeah i guess the, the one huge benefit you're going to get with the blade is the local local part support yeah if you've the still guys got- that go into the hobby store going hey i'm about done with this you know collective pitch small blade helicopter and i'm ready to take the next step and that's what the guy's going to sell yeah no i hear you Cool. So let's see. So what else we got? Well, speaking of blade again, now we've got now this is back down a little bit smaller. We've got the 250 CFX. So this again is with that uh, safe technology. So we're back into the recovery, the bailout portion of it, flying it in like a stability mode, um, which really gives you the option. I, I you know, if I had to go back and train someone from scratch, I'm not so sure that this wouldn't be a good idea. Having it, you know, cranking up the stability on it and then slowly working it down, giving them a little more in control and a little more in control. I would be willing to bet that you could probably learn a lot faster like that. I think so anyway. Um, So this has the Spectrum AR636. Um, you know, which is the gyro portion of it. Uh, yeah, you know, it's small. This is definitely much more in the, what we would consider typical blade style, but Hey, at least it's not a multi-rotor. <laughs> so I, it, it's got a lot of the same training and, and learning stuff that the multi-rotor does that, you know, that style, but it's a heli. So good for them. And that's all I've got. How about you, Justin? I've got a quick bit of news. Speed news, not surprisingly. Uh, so last weekend, they held at, at a Funfly Speed Cup in Rothenburg, Golitz, Germany, uh, a world record attempt course, FAI course for speed flying. And Team Henslip pilot Robert Sixt has set a new world speed record. 291.5 kph which is 181 miles per hour and uh that was with a tdr2 well now this is pre-stage full pre-stage fai style 200 meter course 181 miles an hour with a tdr2 a pod and boom uh, and for for reference, Miles Dunkel had had the previous record at I believe it was two eighty six point five or you know 
high 170s in miles per hour on a Diablo speed last year. Hmm. So what is the, I mean, to do a world record like that, what is the timing system requirements? Uh, They use a camera system uh, that has been proven to be reliable. Basically, Mm -hmm. it hits 100% of the passes on a regular basis, and it has to time down to a millisecond, I believe. Uh, And then they have both timing judges, pre-stage judges, so they just, you know, they'll they will disqualify you if your altitude is outside of the 5 to 35 meters uh, throughout pre-stage or the regular course, if there's any appreciable dive. I mean, it's basically taking all of the rules that we typically do at, at our speed cups here in the U.S., but enforcing them super hardcore. So there's no... You know, there's no leniency. If you've got a little bit of a dive, you're done. That that run just got nulled. That's fast. That is fast. Yeah, dude. Super fast. Now, for some people who are uh, wondering, because I've already gotten pinged a number of times on this, it is a TDR2. It has a TDS canopy on it. So what that means is it closes out a little bit more in the back uh, than the stock TDR2 or TDR2 canopy, but it doesn't have the fully shrouded uh, tail boom system with the vertical fin and the the rotor up out of the rotor wash, the main wash. So, you know, it is pretty much what you can buy stock for, for a TDR2 from Henslet. Uh, and they hit 181. Mm. That's just nuts. There you go. There's your goal. <laughs> you gonna, yeah, you we'll gonna see. hit it this year, Justin? You gonna hit it this year? I, you know, I would be happy if I had one run, one run average of 290. That would be great. And it's not. I mean, this is you know most people that make good runs wouldn't necessarily make it in a world record attempt because of how clean you have to be. But yeah, I, if I could hit a two ninety average and one run over all the competitions, that means I would be yeah. 180, 180 miles an hour. Speak American, man. There that would go. be great. America. It's creeping up, man. Few miles an hour each year. Another couple of years. I know someone's going to get to 200. <laughs> that's just, that's nuts for a helicopter. Well, I have, I don't know if it's really news. It's more of a commentary. I actually, um, uh, observation maybe. I don't know if you guys got that email. I know uh, Nick kind of ignores them or doesn't even get them. I'm not sure. Justin, I know you get them and occasionally you read them. For the most part, I think you do. Did you happen to get that email from the AMA last, it must have been Thursday or Friday? No, no, could have been. It was earlier this week, so I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's whenever we went to that ball game, Nick. I don't remember what night that was. Oh, yeah, I remember this now. So uh, just to kind of refresh your memory, Justin, I, I'm sure you might you might have glanced over it. Maybe, maybe not, but... Yeah, I know what one you're talking about. So the AMA releases this uh, 
or this this on their blog, their governmental blog, this this they're praising themselves, talking about how their education system's really working because the number of drone sightings has been decreased. Yep. And how they're they're just totally going like like really patting themselves on the back. Right? Yep. Did you happen to read the comments left? On that blog. Oh, by by like AMA Frank, members? Uh, yes. No, uh, I didn't. Okay, there's a guy named Frank M, right? Okay. Want to talk to this guy. He okay, so he he he's a he's an analyst in his real world job. So he deals with numbers and analyzing this and statistician, whatever whatever they're calling him, right? He proceeds to lay a mushroom stamp right on the forehead of the AMA. Talking about how well, I mean, he points out like like five bullet points on how this is just absolutely an incorrect data set, and and just just lays it out, you know. And and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to go into the details because, uh, you know, frankly, I'm just going from memory. But proceeds to just point out how you know they're comparing summer months to winter months, and they're not they're they're and he's pointing out you know 298 percent increases over the last year or two. And drone sighting in various states, and just just lays it out, puts a mushroom stamp right on the. <laughs> they have the, they have the they actually responded to him. Oh like, really? Yeah, and they're like, well, actually, and he, they named three states. I know Texas was one of them. There's a couple others, and so they're talking about how well, you know, they they're like, well, this whole winter summer or you know the winter summer flying really because if you look in states that are in the south, and they name three states you'll see that there's a decrease during those months because they were comparing like from January or from December to like last month. Yeah, they were basically saying that look at over the last, you know, all of the the last three months or four months, they've gone down. Well, it's like, well, no shit because it's winter. It's winter time. And so when this guy just put the biggest mushroom stamp on them of all time, they came back. Well, it's not winter everywhere, like places like Florida and Texas and all of this. So go ahead, Dan. Now. Yeah. And so he, he's like, oh, interesting. I actually went and looked those stats up and then he, he, he nails them again. I mean, he just, dude, it was, he puts a double mushroom stamp. I mean, like, bam, here's your, here, you want another one? Keep it coming. I mean, he, he's like, I look those stats up, and he he gives the stats on how they've increased, and yada yada yada. And he, basically, he ends it with something like paraphrasing. He says something about you guys patting yourself on the back or something to this effect. It's just making you look like you're losing credibility day by day because you are taking these numbers and just completely scrambling them up to make them look to make things look like you're actually doing something yeah it was i don't read much of that stuff but when dan said dude you gotta read this like i read through the whole thing because it was just you actually felt embarrassed for them. yeah i couldn't believe they responded to the guy they should have just left it be now for those of you who are interested most of us get those emails some of you i i choose to let them come through i know you can unsubscribe to them or whatever because I do read them when they come through, uh, just to see, kind of keep an eye on what's going on. But if you have it in your spam box, or if you have it in your inbox still, I would encourage you to, to check it out. Uh, it's just literally, uh, if the show, the show releases on Monday, it would just be within the last seven days. So take a look. 
and just watch the AMA get humiliated in true fashion. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. That's, I, I mean, you know what? Good for him uh, yeah, for, for, you know, having the background to dispute what they are saying and and for actually spending the time to go and do the research to to be able to counter that data and that's that's the kind of stuff that we need these i think a lot of people you know the ama maybe they've got data analysts i don't know i i'm not sure what they would be doing on a regular basis to justify their salary but who knows if they do then their data analysts obviously suck <laughs> more likely the case is that you get a couple of guys that think they know shit because they can bind a receiver to their transmitter and they start playing with numbers until they massage them to the point where they look good. I mean, you yeah. can dry lab anything, guys. And, and that's exactly what's going on. It was awesome to see somebody just finally standing up that knew what he was talking about, had the background, like you said, Justin, and just just completely. I mean, I haven't looked at it in a day or two. Uh, I'm guessing they have not responded. <laughs> if they have responded to this guy, I, I can only imagine uh, what that's going to lead to. But uh, it'd be great well to get somebody like that on the Frank show. Frank M. Yeah, good job on that. Thumping him right in the chin with a flesh log. Written <laughs> <laughs> respectfully. Yeah. That was the best yeah. part. And yeah, that's, with the, actual... that's the best kind, man. Yeah. 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 He yeah, can yeah. back it up. Yeah. Let's see. I think that's it. There is one other little bit of news that I, I think I kind of surprised Nick with. It's got really nothing to do with anything other than I think I'm going to give the Oxy another go. <laughs> Before selling it, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to try the tune on it. Yeah, we're going to see if we can get it. Because I think if I could get it flying, I don't know, a little bit better, I think I might actually fly it occasionally. So we'll see. I that do have be, one more. That can be your speed cup heli for the RCHN4, nice. Dan. <laughs> I do have one more announcement. Uh, yeah? And this is a big one. This is actually a really big one. And one that we are very proud of. So, as most everyone knows, our awesome sponsors that we have now. We have, we have one more. Yes, we do. And we have an awesome company that we are very proud to not only have them advertising with us, but, you know, we kind of have a, we've got a little bit of a unique situation in that, in that we are blessed uh, because we all pay our bills other ways that we can kind of pick and choose who we advertise with. And we're just doing this for fun. Uh, so it, it's nice to have a company come along that we're like, heck yeah, we love what you're doing. We would, this is just a great idea. Well, I would like to give a big congratulations and thank you to MSH USA. So Alex over at MSH, you know, they have, we have watched MSH grow over the last year, just tremendously the direction that they're going uh, with the Protos and, and just everything in general is awesome. Uh, People talking, oh, the hobby's dying, whatever. Well, no offense, but not any of the people that we deal with. <laughs> um, and it's just great. The customer support's awesome. He's very active. And that's something that's yep. really important to us. Um, that people who get these helis, and they're, you know what? I'll be damned if they're not great helis, too. See Jesse out there. I know, Jesse, you've just had a blast with yours. Got lots of flights on it now. And yeah. 
it's yeah just been reliable been a great flying heli so i'm excited that we were able to have them support us and yeah they're sponsoring the show so yeah awesome. and one thing i'd like to add to that is um i can't really speak for the heli because i haven't i've never flown one just seen jesse's but you've and, seen the canopy mounts and, i mean and that kind of that in the load, that in itself absolutely <laughs> yeah but uh um, 380 note, has the same canopy mounts <laughs> excellent excellent Sold. choice uh, on a serious note, though, you know, one thing that I really appreciate about uh, Alex is his enthusiasm for the hobby. And um, the guy is passionate about the hobby. I mean, we, you know, we've, we've, we've known Alex for a long time. We had the pleasure, at least for me, I don't know if you guys had met him before, but he came out to RCHN3 last year. Mm-hmm. Just very personable. He was having a great time. He was, you know... Uh, People would come up and talk with him and he'd take the time to do it. Those are the kind of guys that we just really take pleasure in being associated with. And, um, I, you know, I've talked to Alex many times on the phone, uh, through email, stuff like that. He's, he's, just, he's just one of the good guys, right? And that's awesome. And yeah. that's one thing that we, as Nick said, that when we're kind of deciding what we are going to do as far as who we're going to associate ourselves with, with advertising. That's one of the things we look for because he's not only passionate about the hobby, but he really enjoys what we do here. And we've seen it. We don't always, as typical, we don't always ag- agree with each other, right? Because we've, we've had differences on the forums where a technical topic, whatever. Oh, yeah. But that's, and that's great. And that's, that's, that's the kind of person he is. You know, and it's, uh, it's just a, a fantastic uh, opportunity for both of us really looking forward to it it's cool to be able to have someone i think it's a unique situation you've got someone that's behind you know behind a product that that really knows his stuff i mean yes. this this is the guy you know he's the one who you're dealing with with part support but guess what he's also the one that is out there absolutely annihilating these machines when they're being tested it's the same guy so that's that I think direct is, input on yes. parts design and he upgrades. can fly the shit out of that shit, dude. Yeah, yes, he can. Yes, <laughs> yeah. he can. So I, I, I think it's, it's awesome. Couldn't be any happier for him. And you know, once again, thank you to all of our incredible show sponsors. We just, you know, we appreciate you guys so much. It gives us the opportunity to, to keep doing this every week. This week's news is brought to you by superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money-back guarantee. That's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. So we're going to we're going to start this uh, topic off with a listener question. Um so bear with me while, because I'm working the board today and, and I'll probably screw this up, but I'm going to play a listener question really quick. Okay. And we will four finger swipe, huh, Nick? There it is. There it is. Four finger swipe. Four finger swipe. Did it. I Nailed call it. this one the four finger swipe. <laughs> see what we got here. Hi, guys. Alistair, citizen number 65 from Edinburgh, Scotland here. I have a question for you that I hope you can help me with. I fly a Gowie R5 on 14S with a King Kong 3 Pro ESC in it. 
And unlike Contronic, I don't have a mode 1 reset, mode 4 thing that I can do. The Xnova site has guidance for my 4530-525, but I would like to better understand optimizing timing and PWM for the best performance, especially for speed. Thank you for all the fantastic podcasts and giving us all something to enjoy for the days between flying. Cheers, Alistair. All right. All right. That sounds like one for Justin. That's a Justin one. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, hmm, so this first of all, Alistair is a good friend. We talk a lot. Um, he has been getting pretty big into the speed thing, which is awesome. Uh, you know, hooking up with the R5 and having a blast with that thing. And it's interesting because he says he's using the King Kong. I think he's the only person that I know of that is using the King Kong for speed, which is not a problem. I guess, frankly, I haven't heard a lot of people using the King Kong, uh, but I'm glad to hear that it's working out for him. So, you know, every ESC and motor manufacturer is going to have a different recommendation based on the testing that they do. Um, and e- each ESC deals with things a little bit differently. Um, when when you think of the the PWM and the timing, um, what you want to think about, Alistair, is basically uh, PWM being the frequency uh, of the pulses to the ES or from the ESC to the motor, and then the timing is how many degrees off the phases of current pulse are that are driving uh, the motor itself. Uh, What what you tend to find is that as you increase your PWM, uh, you are going to run a little bit warmer, but you will also have a little bit more power. Now, that said, in all the ESCs that I've flown, and I haven't flown a King Kong, uh, eight to 16 kilohertz on the PWM seems to work perfectly fine for those for all of the motors. Scorpion, X Nova. Let's see what else do we have? KDE, um, you know, all the big name motors seem to work out perfectly fine with the eight to 16 kilohertz. I don't feel like I need to do any more than that. I don't need any more power out of it. They're already super powerful. Uh, and they get pretty toasty in in speed, as you already know. Uh, on the I would, hold on, ahead. hold on, yeah. Let's pause yep. with the timing thing because I want to throw in some. Uh, so, from my experience, uh, ju- I mean, Justin's dead on. It seems to me much more. I, I think we're kind of starting to creep into a new era of technology, maybe because in comes Hobby Wing, and now we're running thirty two. I would, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to mention and that's that, our, Nick. And that's our default settings in the hobby wing. And I have yet to have any problem with any motor that I'm flying on every class and every size. With the majority of my ESCs coming down, very, very cool. Yeah. So this, to me, and Justin, please correct me if I'm technically wrong because I did not ask you this question ahead of time, but this is my perception of it. This is very much so a function of the speed controller and what it can handle. Apparently, and I'm just saying apparently, some speed controllers are able to handle the higher refresh rate, which... The motors, it's not a case of can this motor take this refresh rate. 
Oh is yeah, that correct? No, you're 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 absolutely correct. It's kind of like correct. voltage. Motors don't care about voltage, despite what it's, everyone it's thinks. It's a function of how the FETs are switched in the ESC. Yeah, and, so, and and on the hobby wing, it's interesting, Nick, because you're right. The defaults, the defaults set at 32 kilohertz. And when I first got my, so like the Goblin 380, I got a 50 amp V3 on there. I love that ESC. It is just bulletproof. And I originally set it up and I'm like, that's weird. 32. Why the hell did they choose 32? So I went back down to eight and 16. And what I noticed was that the governor didn't perform all that well. Mm -hmm. So and then I did a little bit of reading and apparently, yeah, the 32 kilohertz is what the hobby wing guys have chosen as an optimal for their governing setup. Now, I, I can't speak to how it performs if you run it on an external governor. I'd imagine you've probably got a little bit more flexibility than to 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 change that around. But I still keep it. You still I keep mean, it at 32. Yeah, it's just it, it. It just works. So I think the what you know, what we learn from that is feel free to experiment, but just understand that the higher you go. You know, don't get too caught up in the numbers, uh, especially, I think, in speed where you're really trying to squeeze out. If you want more motor power and you feel that you need more motor power and you have some ESC temperature room to work with, uh, don't don't be afraid to to experiment and slowly start increasing it. Just keep an keep an eye, uh, you know, keep a good eye on your speed control. Yeah, and I'm I'm. Th- I think it's probably the last few percent, right? Like at the end of the day, you're best running the setting that your ESC manufacturer recommends or in, in your, in your case, Alistair motor manufacturer recommends with a given ESC, because those are the ones that they've tested on the bench under hard load. And you know, it works whether it gives you more power or less power or more heat or less heat is somewhat immaterial if it's an incompatible setting and you're going to end up blowing things up. Yeah. So on the timing, timing's a little bit more fixed and it's mostly based on the motor design itself. So, you know what the timing basically does. And and I would urge you guys to go back and listen to Nick's and my digging in. What was it? Episode three, three. I, I believe think it was episode three. We did a really good breakdown of electric power systems and governors and ESCs, all that great stuff. But um, bottom line is the timing basically sets in, a, in, in degrees the offset between the rotation of the motor and the rotation, in quotes, of the currents that move around the three phases inside the motor on the stator. Uh, and for outrunners, you're typically looking at a timing between, I'd say, 10 and 30 degrees and 99 percent of them fall right in around 15 to 18. Uh, I personally do not mess with the timing. And the reason is because it, as I said, it tends to be specific to the motor. Um, and if you get too far away, you can run into situations where the timing is either too advanced or too retarded, and then you can run into, in extreme cases, uh, errors in the ESC, sort of like a commutation error that we've talked about before when you're running an underpowered motor uh, and you're, you're putting too much coal to it. Uh, so 
stick with the timing that is recommended by the motor and ESC combo. And I think the a good default is 15 degrees. I never mess with it ever in any of my ESCs, whether it be Castle or, you know, Contronic, Hobbywing, any of those. Cool. Well, thanks, man, for the question. Nice. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Alistair. An awesome accent, dude. Uh, and- he was like, <laughs> I'm going to send in this question, man, but you guys may not understand my Scottish accent. I, I think it needed to be thicker, to be honest. Do you think so? He should have yeah. really, really done it up. Because, you know, so overplayed it. Yeah. When they, when those Scottish folks get talking, they can really use some slang that'll throw everybody. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have a Scottish accent, Nick? No. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, <laughs> no, not on the fly. No, you could, Oh, dude. You pussy. Nope. Isn't that the overturned semi on the on ramp? No, that's Canadian. That's no, half that's... Canadian, half Scottish. Yeah. That yeah, okay. I th- I knew there was some Scottish blood in there. So yeah, listener questions. We love them. We absolutely love them. Questions at rchillynation.com. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Everybody has a way to record a question. Every smartphone in existence. Yes, yes exactly. You don't even have to do anything. You just talk into it and then you email it. How easy is that? Uh, send them up and um, we'll, uh, we'll do our best. Questions at rchillynation.com. Absolutely. Good blade has personality, has soul, has attitude, has performance, and it's got character. When you finally find that blade, there's a connection. There's no better feeling than being able to get that blade and find sizes for all your helicopters. That's why switch blades just make sense. No shopping for one set of blades over here, then the other set of blades over there. One brand one stop all sizes make the switch when you're ready to make the switch go to www.bkdesignsllc.com to find sizes for all your helicopters so we mentioned i met i gave a little bit of teaser earlier in the show we were talking about the uh the ui sensor for the v control and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, telemetry stuff. Do you need it? Do you need to geek out with it? Who needs it? Why do they need it? Justin needs the data. Needs the data. Data. Uh, data. Gantt charts. The whole nine yards. Gantt charts. What the <laughs> heck? He's just <laughs> pulling shit out of, out of thin air, man. Yeah. That might not be the right type of chart. Do I look like a type of person that builds a schedule, Dan? Come on. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you can put my data in my Gantt charts and my, my Rubicle graphs. In my pie chart. My pie and charts. Pie charts. And, and line graphs. Then I crunch the numbers. I love my statistical database. Crunchy numbers. <laughs> crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I've used a little bit of telemetry um, in my previous job, and I had very specific reasons for it. When it's in particular, looking for problems, I've never really saw. I never really, sure, I guess, perceived a need 
or need is maybe the wrong word, a desire for data when it comes to the RC helicopters. Because with a job, it's one thing because you need to know what's happening. And with helicopters, it's a hobby. Do I really want to spend time, you know, going through numbers? Uh, and I've always been, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Cause I'm not, I'm not really, um, a new gadgety kind of guy. I, I like, uh, old reliable. And mm-hmm. once I get familiar with the system, I don't like, I fight it tooth and nail to try something different because it's working for me. But then I, you know, I hear Nick and, and Jesse and Justin say stuff like you don't know until, until you, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. That's you right. You don't know what you don't know. So... This, um, I guess for the helicopters, this UI sensor is kind of my first, other than some very basic telemetry with the Futaba just for uh, RX packs, just to kind of keep an eye on what they're doing, which I found useful. And I was using it um, for, I guess, the gassers as well with the V-Control, right? I, um, I got to kind of play around with it a little bit the last few days. One thing that I really think I like, uh, although I haven't been using it a lot because I just started using it, is that it's nice to not have to set a timer, I guess. Yes. You know, a five-minute, 30-second timer, six-minute, whatever. Yes. And it's nice to know that you're just using the battery to its fullest uh, based on your parameters, however you want to, however you choose to. And um, it's not about when the timer goes off. It's about when the battery's ready to be done for that flight. Yeah. And yep. I, I actually, for the first time ever, I... Holy shit, look at the size of that moth. <laughs> I just saw that. <laughs> oh, my God. Mothra oh. just flew around the corner, around the, <laughs> the big blanket we've got <laughs> hanging up, and I was like, I was literally counting down in my head in three, <laughs> two, <laughs> Get away from me! <laughs> wow, dude. Yeah. It's big. <laughs> Not so sure many. if moth or sparrow. <laughs> Dude, where is it? Where is it at? I don't know. It's on. Oh, here we go. We're not going to be able to get through the show now because Dan's going to be afraid of being attacked. Dude, it flew just past. I do not see it. So that means it's on me. Did you feel the breeze, Dan? Anyway. Or do you feel it right now? Now, where was I at before? I I guess if I can't see it, it's (laughs) put it out of my mind. So, oh yeah, I remember. So today, what are, yeah, I guess it was today. I kind of started noticing, um, and I, it, the numbers don't mean anything to me because I haven't been been keeping track of any of this stuff. But, uh, you know, you get a little flight report at the end of your flight with the V-Control, and it, it gives you some information, which, as I said, as of now, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean a lot to me because I really have no perspective. But it was interesting, um, which, you know, it's a start, I guess. It's, it, it was interesting to see, you know, what was the max draw. How many milliamps did I use? What was the wattage? You know what I mean? That yep. How long was your flight time? How long was the flight time? And how I actually long? said yep. something to Nick. I noticed um, as I was getting more comfortable with the helicopter, uh, the flight times. I, I remember, Nick, I was telling you the flight times are starting to get less. Mm-hmm. You know, getting a little more aggressive with the helicopter, using some of that energy up. Yeah. 
I, I, am I going to do anything with it? I, you know, I don't. I, I don't want to say I'm not going to. I might, but well, you already are with using it as a timer. That, no, that's it. They no, just but I, I mean, it's, yeah, but that's real. Ba- I mean, that's already like, using it. I though. am. I agree with that. But but all this other information that that we're about to talk about, um, I don't know for me if it's if it's uh, something that I will. Uh, I, I guess one question I would have is using it, you know, even in the maybe maybe limited capacity that you are using it as just a timer. Does that justify putting it on your helicopter? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just that so one feature. You're using it. You, you installed the sensor and it's working for you. It is. And I agree with you 100 percent. But it's kind of like, you know, I often wonder why do I have a, an iPhone? I, I use it to call people. You know, and some guys. Use it to its full potential. It's got every damn thing you could need on it, right? I I just but see, I think you're using. I, there's a difference between using it and logging it, and keeping it and storing it. You're using more of it than I think mm-hmm. you even realize. You know what you're not seeing is that when you plug in your battery, everything is happy. But guess what? That same telemetry data, if you plugged in a a battery that wasn't charged would tell you, Hey, I'm not charged. And you go, Oh shit. Whoops. Wrong one. And you swap it out. So there's that telemetry working, even though you're not doing anything. Yeah. And I get it's a convenience, right? None of it's necessary. Right. And that's kind of what, I guess that's what I'm getting at. I mean, cause that actually did happen. Cause I didn't bring a cell checker to the field with me today. And uh, I was like, eh, I think this one's charged. Plug it in. Don't even slide it into the heli. Just plug it in, turn it on. Oh, no, it's not charged. So go on to the yep. next battery. Yep. But, That's a good point. I rarely use the cell checker anymore. I mean, never, never, never leaves yeah, my field You just anymore. plug it in and the radio will tell you. But see, yeah. that, that's just the surface of the telemetry data, right? I mean, there's so much other stuff that you can do that I, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Am, am I, I don't think that I'm going to get, I guess there's an app, Nick, I could get that allows me to export all this data and put it in a spreadsheet of some kind or something to that yep, effect. And I'm actually Thanks, going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put that in an episode, maybe the next episode. Yeah. See, um, I don't know if that, that interests me, but it's kind of cool to know it's there if it does. Well, I mean, cause well, I mean, you know, maybe I will I, get interested in some of that stuff. I've got a situation for you though. It might not interest you at the moment when everything is flying good and your helicopters are performing as they should and you're not hunting down little issues or demons that you can't find but the second something doesn't start working right you might find yourself going you know there's that data that might help me (laughs) get to the bottom of this problem nailed a whole lot faster and the cool part is is it's logging all all of this for you in the background without you having to do anything and if you don't want to use it, then great. But when you do want to use it, when that you know opportunity does arise, it's right there. Yeah, and that I think that's a key point. I mean, you know, Nick, you you alluded to it earlier and said, you know, using the telemetry, I guess I'll call it in real time, which is what you're talking about, Dan, is different than logging the telemetry. And and you know, I I would say a vast majority of people that even log the telemetry probably don't look on look at it on a regular basis because just, you know, with the exception of 
probably people that do speed like that's what I do. I look at it on a regular basis, but I wouldn't expect anyone else to do that if they're flying 3D or just going out and having fun because you've set your your milliamp hour uh, alarm. Maybe you got a, a low voltage cutoff alarm. You got a receiver pack alarm or something like that. Uh, I don't know. What else could you have? Uh you, you you could throw a timer in there if you really wanted to, but it really it doesn't do anything for you. And beyond that, who cares? But when stuff goes wrong, like Jesse said, it is invaluable. And the last couple of problems that I've had on my helis, I have used the logged data uh, to great benefit, Dan, because you can go and look at antenna signal or pack voltage and all of that and actually see the chain of events leading up to what happened. Yeah, I get it. I do. Um, I just, I, I, and, and uh, maybe I am using it more so than I, than I realize I am. But I mean, just the simple, the simple, it feels very basic to me, I guess the UI sensor. I mean, as far as what I'm using it for, but I guess maybe that's the whole point of it. Yeah. There's, they, Mikado does a good job of implementing it in a very natural fashion, and it 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 kind of sets up all of the stuff that they think that a three D heli pilot would want to do, and just kind of yep. does it all automatically. Whereas, like you know, in Justin's case with the Jetty system, it's much more like he really gets in and tweaks it and sets it and does everything how he very specifically wants it to. So again, it's just just for different different use yeah and i think but but the v control i mean you don't have to use its presets right nick you can customize stuff or not yeah you can custom well obviously you you can customize your pack capacity and how much use percentage alarm voltage yeah your low alarm voltage but you don't like yeah once you plug it in and you have the app on there it's up and active and working and yeah. Like, I don't think you, I mean, like getting way into detail, you can't go adjust the sampling rate on the sensors or you can't go you know, into that level of detail. No. It's going to pull the information that it's programmed to pull at the sampling rate that it is preset at. Yeah, but like, does it have um, like you were talking about, it'll tell you if you've got a, a de- if you just installed a dead pack. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that a universal low voltage alarm or is that a pre-flight check alarm? It is a an alarm that is associated. Oh, man, you're going to have to. It is associated with because in order to get those features, you have to have the battery logbook active. So, like, uh, when, OK, you when, can't when, just do it. Without the log, the battery log. Because you select the you battery to, when you plug in. It has to know what battery. The, yeah. yeah, it has to know what yeah. battery you've put in. Yeah, and then your your voltage cutoff settings are specific to that. Your your capacity is specific to that battery. So what your it does is use in your alarms. It allows me to you know have a single six S pack and and maybe a twelve S stick pack, and if I want to do a a six S super low head speed flight on the seven seventy or the seven hundred. I just plug in the success pack and fly because when I turn the radio on and I connect the model, I'm going to pick that battery and all of my settings go for that battery. Right. So it's, it's really cool that way. But I think that like 
yours and the the ability of the the jetty is is far more in depth and customizable. Yeah, it is. But again, I think a vast majority of people that would fly it are using the same features that you're using on the V control. Um, I, I would say I'm very likely an exception to the rule in terms of how the radio is being used. Now, that said, you you can do pretty much anything that you want with it. I mean, you guys have seen I've got telemetry alarms on there for speed. So if it exceeds a certain speed, it'll tell me what it is. That way you kind of get a feel for how you're performing during the run. Uh, You can do stuff with the GPS where you tell it, which actually is really cool. And a lot of speed people have caught on to this now um, that we've talked it through uh, in the community. You can basically say, so, hey, Nick, think about it. You got your GPS there. It tells you how far away, you know, your distance is, right? So you're standing in the middle of the course and you know that your course is 200 meters long, 100 meter on either side. Well, you tell it to alarm when you get beyond 100 meters from yourself oh. or from when the GPS uh, really? initializes and it'll say in course, out of course, and you know where you are. And see like that, because I, uh, you know, I absolutely love my setup, love it. But when it came to wanting to get competitive with the 500, Dude, it's it's it, I hate to use the word. It's a joke, but I, you can't like, I'm sorry, but you are not going to competitively speed fly this and 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 get that last five percent w- without those sorts of things. And I just I cannot do that with the V control. Now, I can still do, you know. Like it doesn't have anything to do with the fly barless system. It's just the the actual V control itself. Right. But Nick, yeah, you, there are all sorts of different things that you can do. Do you, Nick and Jesse, do you guys use any of that data for anything other than kind of what I'm using it for? Well, I mean, for the V control data, the the telemetry data that you're getting. Go ahead, one Jesse. of the other things I was going to bring up and. It's actually, I know it was something that Nick, you've used it for in the past is trying to de-bottleneck a system. I mean, you can use that data for all sorts of things. So I specifically remember at the last fun flight, Nick, after you're doing speed runs, you know, you're pulling up the logs and you're looking at the head speeds, you're looking at the amperage and you're going, okay, is it my speed controller? Is it my motor? Do I not have enough headroom on my governor? You're essentially using that to optimize your entire power system going Okay, if I'm going to make some sort of investment in the helicopter to make it perform better, this could be speed or 3D. Where specifically am I looking to make that investment where I'm going to get the most bang for my buck? Because as we discussed in previous episodes, going to 14S might not be it. It might not be where that big gain is going to be for you. No, and I um, go. Oh, go ahead. No, and so I was just saying you you can use this to to look and go, okay, wow, my my head speed isn't dropping, so let me keep going up in my head speed. The speed controller still has more room, or maybe I you know don't have enough headroom, and the amperage draw is still low enough for the speed controller to handle 
Um, but I still, so I can increase the, the head speed or I, I need to get more he- headroom. So the governor holds better, um, change the pinion out. Yeah. And so just kind of optimizing that power system using this data. I don't think it's, you can use it. If you want to optimize that, you have to use it because it's the only way. I mean, it is the only way. I was doing those runs coming back. Batteries are cooking and I'm like, woo, we need to go up 14S. That's for sure. And I bring up the logs. And again, I'm using the the uh, V-Control Analyzer app. Um, and I am going to, again, I'm going to get into that one more and kind of almost do a little bit of a review on it. But in my case, I pulled that data up and found out that while my packs might not last long, they are were not the bottleneck in my speed. I mean, my my voltage was holding good. My head speed was only dropping like, oh my gosh, it was like 100 RPM from on full pull. And I could see where my throttle output was to see where the governor was. Like that was flawless data coming back. So I knew that my setup was very optimized and I, you know, quickly was able to establish that I was not going to gain speed by going up to 14S. I was not going to gain speed by, you know, doing anything else. So it, it was it was awesome. But yeah, so but you ex- can, Nick, I just want to point out, I mean, you just used a speed specific example, and that's an amazing example. That's how I use it as well. But that I don't want people to leave the conversation thinking that, oh, well, we're still talking about speed. That's where all the telemetry stuff really has value. Not at all. You can use that same methodology for your 3D machine. Yep. I still do. Absolutely. I got an email last week. Someone was like, wait a minute. Did I hear you say you're putting a 130 on a Goblin 700 competition with seven tens? Are you aware that that has 12 gauge wire on the front of it? It's like, yep. <laughs> yes, I am. And you know what I'm going to be looking at the whole time? My telemetry data. I'm going to be looking at the max current that I'm pulling out of this setup. I'm going to be looking at all of these things and watching it to find out because otherwise it's just speculation. Yep. And now you're not flying blind. So no longer do you have to spend that extra 150 or 200 bucks on the next size ESC up because you don't really know what it's going to do, but you want to play it safe. Yep, there's the a telemetry. lot of stuff that comes yep, into yep. play. A lot of stuff. A lot more than we really realize, you know? And yep. if if you want to kind of dance that line, the, the telemetry data is, you know, the only way you can do it accurately. Let me ask you guys this. For somebody to get into and start appreciating any type of, Telemetry, does it mean they have to get a jetty or does it mean they have to get a V controller? There are other options out there to to uh to get this data. Well yep. yeah, I mean there absolutely are. Almost it seems like Spectrum has some of their own. Mm-hmm. And definitely some of the systems are are far superior than others. And and I'm I'm going to 
Uh, yeah, might as well. I'm going to throw V control has an amazing setup for the way that it interacts with the radio. How about that? Like, I love it. It, you can tell it's just dialed for a, for a 3d guy. It's a blast. I love the way that it's set up and I wouldn't change anything about it, you know, other than having, but you're, you are locked into their components, which does suck. Not can suck, does suck. And you have to run an external setup. Whereas like Justin's Jetty, you know, gives you the ability to have J-Log compatibility. And for those who don't know what J-Log is, uh, well, Justin, you'd probably do a better job. You got a whole fleet of them. You tell us. Yeah, J-Log is basically a third-party device that allows you to take data from a variety of different devices, uh, all sorts of ESCs, Castle, Contronic, Hobbywing, pretty much any ESC or other device that has telemetry built into it uh, or uh, separate sensors. And it, it basically takes all of that data stream and converts it to something that can then be read by the specific radio that you're using. So in my case, it's a jetty and I take the J log and I plug it in between the cosmic and the receiver and it acts as the middleman and translates all the cosmic specific data into telemetry parameters that I can then look at in real time and log on my radio, like motor current, uh, voltage, RPM, BEC temperature, voltages, currents, capacity spent, all that sort of stuff. It's an interpreter, but the key is that it's not, no current is going through it. No current is being measured by it. Yep. It's just an interpreter. Whereas right. like the spectrum sensors that spectrum has Futaba, I think officially has some of their own. Maybe I'm not hundred percent sure on that. And like the, the V control one, those are current sensors that you need to plug into your system to pass your battery voltage to through which makes them kind of inherently more expensive and then what i found the biggest thing and this is the biggest thing it's not a big deal for all of your middle size models right like 500 to say uh, right up to about 700 but the current limitations on these you know I would kill to have the same setup on my 380, but I just, I don't want to add any more weight to the 380, you know, and and I just don't want to, I want it small. I don't want more wires on it. So I really wish that I didn't have to have that big sensor sticking in the front, but as like the 770, we can draw, we can draw some current through that biatch. And, you know, the max current rating on a lot of these sensors really starts creeping on potential 700 and larger size territory, depending on your head speed and all that. So that's what kind of stinks. And just to clarify, Nick, I mean, the J log itself, it it's not going to measure anything that doesn't already exist. Does that make sense? In other words, It itself is not a sensor. It's exactly what you said. It's an interpreter or a translator. So the reason why I don't have to have what amounts to a UI sensor on all my models 
is because I've got cosmics on all my models and the cosmic has current as a telemetry stream internal to it. But not all ESCs do. Right. So Castle does, but Hobbywing doesn't. So on my hobby wing, I've got to either use a Jetty UI sensor, which is similar to the Mikado, or I've got to use what I, I happen to be using is a, a high tech uh, current sensor, like a, a Pearson coil, basically. And by the way, that's mm. technically just for this moment. What? That's technically just for this moment on hobby wing. Oh, oh, oh okay. In, yeah. in, okay. Got it. Yes. Ooh, it's 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 firmware. Yeah, yeah. Not hardware. How about good. that? Yeah. That's good yeah. to know. But yeah, so anyway, that it, it is a translator. Yeah, and the other thing to point out, Nick, you said that, you know, creeping up there on the currents, I don't think it's so much a capability of, you know, worrying about, oh, is it going to fail? Is it not going to fail? It's more of an accuracy issue, right? Yes. Not, not an actual, oh, I have to worry about passing so many amps through. I mean, even putting on a 700 and, you know, up to the 770 and whatnot, it's not a issue of is it going to fail or desolder it's more of a is it going to be accurate yeah because most of these are like shunt style so you know it they're they're measuring kind of like a what just a voltage drop across the shunt correct yeah and as long as they're calibrated they can be incredibly accurate but you got to choose your scales correctly right i mean you're not going to choose a 200 amp sensor and only fly around with an average current of 10 or 20 amps. That's not doesn't work for you. And when you start creeping up to their maximum currents, they build heat pretty fast. And when you start changing your heat, you start changing your resistance. And then those voltage drops are different. And that's when the sensors like I know that's happened with the UI ones. The guys that are flying them on their 700s or uh, larger models really hard you know, keeping them up at the 120 amp to 160 amp, just like really hossing on them with a high head speed, they start getting inaccurate as the flight goes on. And that kind of defeats the whole purpose of it. So do we get telemetry or no? I think, oh, go ahead, Jesse. Get it. I was just going to say, I have a whole, I still have another use for it that we haven't really talked about all that much. And you, you probably noticed, you know, in the previous years we've been all of us have got you know the smartphone apps and we're all logging our flights and we're just killing you know every time you go out to the field you're logging however many flights you had and whatnot to track all your battery cycles well one of the cool parts with the ui sensor and i'm sure jetty has it is so in the v control there's kind of two different logs that you can access there's one that's your all of your telemetry data it's going to have your wattage your amps your head speed your voltage for your battery you know, it's, and it's going to save all that stuff in one log, but then there's a totally separate log that you can access when you have the battery logbook enabled and it's strictly just battery count. Like you, you, you can download it into a CSV file and open it up in Excel and it, it just is the name of the battery, the name of the helicopter, the length of the flight and what cycle it was on that battery. Yep. Um, so I've been using it strictly as a battery logging device and then kind of coupling that with the voltage drop and tracking it using the other telemetry data, knowing when the batteries are actually starting to wear out and when it, you know, when you're probably getting close to replacing them. So it really has replaced the need for me to bring out the smartphone every time and go, man, how many flights did I get last weekend or how many flights did I get in that day? Cause I can just, you can read it from the transmitter or you can download it into a CSV file and open it up in Excel and save it and you know use it to log your flights for the entire year if you want. 
Yeah, Dan saw it firsthand when I was out there flying the 700. I put the Thunderbolts on, did a flight, and I was like, ah, you know, I really, like, I'm digging these blades. They're way better than the old <laughs> 690s. <laughs> oh, way better. But, you know, I still got, I got some bobbles, and I was like, eh, okay, it's going to take a little bit of tuning, but these aren't that bad. And then I, I, I shut it off. And I remember kind of looking down and just glancing at everything and then going, wow, that, wow, my, my minimum voltage was, whew, that was pretty low on that flight, but it didn't register. So I grabbed another pack, threw another pack in there, which is a newer pack, went up and flew it on the next flight. And it was like all the bobbles were gone. Everything was gone. And it, it was just like amazing flight. And I was, woohoo. And I got back down and I looked down and my minimum voltage was significantly higher. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, oh, that's it. Because, you know, like I'm flying the 700 at only 1930, I think. And on a Goblin 700 competition, you get into bobble range, like head bobble a little bit, uh, around 1800. So what was happening is that I was dropping head speed under load with the older pack, little head bobble, but the newer pack wasn't doing it. So, you know, I have, I, and I've been there before in the past where I've fought tuning with bad batteries because our governors are so badass now that they do everything they can to hold it. A lot of times it's kind of hard to tell in 3d that your packs starting to go bad but that telemetry data right there on the radio didn't have to plug nothing in didn't have to do anything just a glance down like oof that pack's not so good <laughs> yep so it's a lot more beneficial i think than people have it and i think that everyone i, I to me it is the fly barless of if you're gonna fly electric it is your fuel gauge it's your knowledge it's your everything all in one and, and I think it's a must. I agree. And I mean, yep. we, we've been talking primarily about the systems that we fly, the V control and the jetty, but there are other systems out there. And I would say at this point, pretty much all of the major radio manufacturers have telemetry in one form or another. Um, I know that the Tyrannus FR sky guys have a lot of capability very similar to what we've discussed uh, between V-Control and Jetty. And then um, if you're not looking for something that crazy or you don't want to get a, a, a Mikado or Jetty because of the price, then I think what you look at then is Futaba, Spectrum, and Gropner. And I would put them in that order from least to best. And that's Justin's view of the world. You guys may disagree I think Futaba's telemetry system sucks ass. Um, it's bad, but don't don't get too caught up in the Futaba, the one to use for that. Uh, just do a Google search for e-fuel gauge. Yeah, for, and, for milliamp consumption specifically, right? Yeah, and you'll end up on a, a Swedish site, I do believe. Yeah. And uh, that is a, a kind of a proven setup that works. I know there's a couple of our listeners that we talk with on a regular basis that use it uh, to get that. So it doesn't have to be actual 
Futaba brand. Just throw a post up in HeliFreak if if you have questions or if you have a system. Like we just know what we hear for the stuff that we don't fly. So if if you say, "Wow, you know what? I want to open my eyes to this whole telemetry world." Throw throw a post up in HeliFreak in our forum and say, "Hey guys, I'm flying this radio. What is the best? What are my options?" And yep. you know, let all of our listeners help you out, and then we can help give any guidance we have as well. Yeah, the other name in there is JR. Now that I think about it, they've got some pretty cool stuff too in yeah, terms man. of telemetry. So, yep. yeah, yep, yep, it's a must. Yeah. It's nice. Oh, whatever. <laughs> oh, you know what, Dan? All you right, can't go that full douche on us with this because. You already tried to pull that with the Goblin and the V control, and look where you're yeah, at. We don't believe you anymore. But in another, you're mo- not you know credible. what? By the end of the season, yeah, by our fly, you yeah, <laughs> you're just going to be touting telemetry. Oh. Look at all the cool nerdy shit I can do with the data on my V control. <laughs> crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> Dan's going to be like, "Do you guys know what Excel can do? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of this program? It's called Excel. It's amazing. Yeah." You do anything. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, I guess, you know, I'm enjoying it. I like the UI sensor. I, I don't have anything like that on the gassers, but uh, I don't think I need them. That's what you say, man. I need one for your gasser. Every time I fly a gasser, I run that damn <laughs> thing down to like a thimble full of fuel. <laughs> I do not like it. Hey, and you can get fuel gauges. I know. Jetty's got one. And An you actual can do, liquid fuel uh, gauge? Yeah, How does yeah it, a flow dude. meter. It's no. a flow meter. Ah, so you put a volume in. Yeah. Yeah. And it knows. No different huh. than your UI sensor, right? Yep. When yep. is uh, Mikado coming up with one of those? I don't know if they have one. I don't think they do. They need to get on the ball. As you know, soon the as other the cool uh, Mikado thing, Nitro comes out. Uh, Dan, yeah. and, I, and I think people will probably argue the utility of this. I, I'll tell you what, I use it to great benefit on the speed helis, in particular the fuselaged ones where shit gets really hot, right? Jetty has a temperature sensor system where you can put these little tiny, you know, like they're they're like half the, the diameter of a pea uh, sensors, little thermistors, and you can glue those down or tape them down uh, to whatever surface you want to check temperatures on and then get that telemetry in real time. So you can look at, for me, I always look at motor mount temperature because it's a relatively decent indication of how hot the motor is getting. But you could do the same thing for your gas engine. Right. Looking yeah, at- like we did back in the day with the, what was it? The multi-gov. <laughs> oh my God. That yeah, was, the, yeah. The mix, the, um, Freaking yeah, the nightmare now. Okay. I'm not saying use it for active control of mixture, but I'm saying... Oh, I remember that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah with yeah, the yeah, little yeah. tiny micro servo yeah. where it would tune your, your mid-needle or whatever it <laughs> yes, was. Yes, Which is great for a hover flight. Work but like it, ass for anything it could be 3D. useful if temperature is sufficiently perceptive of its tune, uh, which I seem to recall is more so the case on gassers than it is on nitros, at least between different brands of nitros. So, hey, you know, think about that. No, I'll just do the gassers the old-fashioned way. We've been doing them for hundreds of years. I'll let you know. I'll let you know after tomorrow whether I think it would. Well, well, no, I mean, I'm serious, because I'm going to. He doesn't know it yet, but 
<laughs> We're going to find out what that, that D300 can do. I'm going to treat that one like a redheaded X. Hey, uh, one there is one more bit of news that's got really nothing to nothing at all to do with helicopters, but I'm pretty proud of it. I got Nick addicted to Game of Thrones. Oh I man, I'd throw that out there. No, ah, he sent me hate mail. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm waiting until the fall, and then I'll probably dick. just I haven't gone there yet. Oh, you'll you'd love it. Do it in the winter. Yep, that's what I'm winter. saying in the fall, and then just. Go through probably Nick's all been, of them. Nick's been blowing through them pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Well, I haven't had anything to. It, it's kind of sad, but I haven't had anything to wrench on. It's been kind of welcoming having dance stuff. Might. I mean, I'm not trying to gloat or anything, but my shit just flies like all <laughs> the time. So. And and I I don't uh, I'm at that awkward spot I never thought I was going to be at. I which, didn't think you'd ever be there either. Which. I don't. Really, I mean, I have. So, for the record, I can sit here. Let me turn around. I'm staring at my my whiteboard, right in the trailer. Now, I have. I I keep a to buy list up there, so it's just kind of a reminder when I think, oh, hey, crap, you got to get you know this, or don't forget to get that. I I jot it down on there. Now, I've got you know a gazillion blades up there. I I want thunderbolts for everything, you know. So two sets of seven tens, two six nineties, some one hundred fives, one fifteens. But what's not up there is anything new. That's weird Nick. for me. Yeah, all dude, I can because say. you can't buy anything else that's new. You've got all the shit that you're allowed to fly. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a good point. Okay, touche. No, all, all, all I can, all I can say though, for the not wrenching and stuff just flying is is welcome. <laughs> yeah, oh. I know. Yeah, welcome. It, it really is. It's an awesome because that's honestly where I was with the seven HV and the Chronos, and I feel like the. Protoss is right there too. I yeah, mean, you're now there with the Protoss. I mean, the it N7 is. It's there. The N7 is more than there too. I haven't. I mean, as far as nitro go, jeez, minimal, minimal maintenance. So, uh, yeah, welcome. Well, if you're, needing, of Jesse, if, you, if you're needing a project, I could leave my Align 700N here for you too. You yeah. can rebuild my Gowie. Uh, can I fly it? Oh, yeah, you can fly it. Cause I, I, that was a fun heli. I don't think much needs to be done to it. Justin is so far out of this. It's not even fun. <laughs> Dude, I, it's like that nitro won't come back together until the winter. I, I'm I'm on full speed at this point. The 380 is perfectly fine as my screwing around 3D model and until it crashes. Flight. No, but well, that, that reliability yeah, was. Yeah, but dude, the 380s simple. To fix yeah, it, yeah, even if it true. does go in, that's you know that's an hour or two. If I got you've the had zero problems with it, no, none whatsoever. None. Yeah, no, and I've good. crashed it like three times. The R five, no issues. Oh yeah, the only the only heli that I've had issues with, other than the NX seven, is the is the Diablo Speed. Right? I mean, it but blows up like- every thirty flights. <laughs> 
That's hey, expensive. If the same that's, frequency if, 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 if I knew that's motors. what I was if, if if that's what I knew I was signing up for, I I would probably have bowed out. But you know, we'll see. Third time's the charm. Yeah. Wow. All right. I think I'm going to shut you guys down for the night. But before I do that, we should do some emails. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you would send me an email at nick at rchillynation.com. How about you, Jesse? You could send me an email to jesse at rchillynation.com or catch me on the Facebook. The Facebook. How about you, <laughs> how about you Justin? You could send me an email at justin at rchillynation.com or catch me on Facebook or the forums as Justin Pucci. I'm Dan. You can reach me at Dan K. Reed. Um, uh, where can you find me there at? Well, that's my, that's the wrong yeah. email address. My God. Wow. <laughs> Woo. Dan at rcalienation.com. How's that sound? Yeah, better? that's better. That's better. That's good. That one might work. Dan K. Uh, Reed on the forums. That's right. Dan K. Reed on the forums and Facebook. I think it is anyway. But anyway, I'm pretty easy to find. Ken, if you've got a question about citizen numbers, t-shirts, because we do ask, we do have some shirts in stock, and I know that Nick is working on another design. He sent me a, uh, oh, an idea he had for one yeah, the other day, yeah. so we'll see how that, that comes along. Um, but we do have some in stock still. If you have a question about any of that stuff, you can send that directly to Ken at Ken at rclnation.com. And again, Facebook's a great way to kind of see what's going on and uh, where we're going to be. By the way, next week, I will not be here. I will be enjoying Dieter's Funfly. So, oh, Dieter, Dieter, Dieter. nice. That's right. I am heading out Wednesday to meet up with some of the guys yep. uh, Wednesday afternoon, and we're going to hang out there till Sunday and then uh, finally going to get back home. This time, I think I'm going to stay home for a while. We'll see. I'm, uh, starting, to, I'm starting to get pretty tired of the travel. <laughs> It's a good problem to have, though, so don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yep. first world problem. Uh, Facebook, webpage, all that good stuff. None of it's changed in a while. It's all pretty easy to find, rcalienation.com. Go register for RCHN4 That's on right. RC Flight Deck. That's right. And, and anytime you place an order with any of our sponsors, please, all you have to do, it really helps us a lot, just say thank you for supporting Absolutely. RCHN in the notes. That'd be great. When is that you- fun fly, Justin? September 15th through the 18th of this year, yes. Dayton, Oregon. And uh, RC Flight Deck, that's pretty easy to find, right? I mean, I, is it just... Yeah, www.rcflightdeck.com. Go into the search window at the top left and type in RCHN or RC Heli Nation, however you want to do it. And it will take you right to the event page where you can register as a general pilot and also for all of the contests and competitions that we'll be doing. Nice. And we're doing, remember we're doing a pre-register raffle. That's right. We are. And the winner of that raffle gets to be Dan's bitch for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) In addition to potentially getting some sort of heli loot. Yes. Very nice. Well, I think that about wraps it up guys. This has been episode 236. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We will see you. These guys will see you next Monday. I'll see you two Mondays from now. Dan, you fracking flan boy, you. <laughs> yeah. Later. There it is. See? You that was somewhat Scottish. To- see? That was kind of Scottish. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Marginal. Good to hell. There you go. I don't even know what the hell he just said there. Then it was Scottish. Then it was Scottish. <laughs> this has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by 
Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email.